the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, August 15th, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 265. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree that will take the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. We've got a big Tuesday edition of the podcast today. I'm Roan. Alan Jacoby is going to be sitting in co-hosting today. We've got an amazing slate of guests. Former Chief of Staff to the DOD, Cash Patel is going to be joining us. Executive Director at Case Pack, Brian Live is going to be here as well. We're going to do an America First Roundtable with Gavin Wax and Paul Ingracia, and we'll be sitting down with newly announced Nevada senatorial candidate, Dr. Jeffrey Gunter. A lot of breaking news. Donald Trump was indicted again late last night in Georgia. We'll bring you the latest on this breaking story. Trump rocked the Iowa State Fair, and Hunter Biden was assigned to special counsel. We'll track the latest there, and we'll play a little presidential primary roundup. But before we get to any of our headlines, let's take it over to Nevada and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling, there are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! All right, a big Tuesday edition of the show today. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to Steak for Breakfast. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back to America's fastest-growing political podcast. We've got a special treat to kick off the show today. He's the 24th U.S. ambassador to Iceland. He's recently announced his candidacy to run for the U.S. Senate in Nevada. Great friend of the show, Dr. Jeff Gunter. Thanks for joining us again to kick off things on Steak for Breakfast. Uh, my pleasure to be here. You guys are awesome. I'm, I'm hungry for steak, so let me have it. Let's hear what's going on with you guys. Listen, anybody can attest, if you come in studio, if you're ever down in Southern California, let us know. We will feed you more than you need, and we will take care of you better than you have been before on any other podcast. But listen, Jeff, it is great to hear that you finally announced that you'll be running for the Senate in Nevada. I just want to talk to you a little bit. You know, you teased it on the show last time, but what went into that final decision, and what are you looking forward to do now that you're getting into this race? Well, as we know, the Biden policies are just a complete disaster for America. And like we've talked about in the past, if not now, when? If you look at my foreign policy experience, it's unparalleled. If you look at my small business experience, it's unparalleled. And really, it just came down to if all of us, including all your listeners, don't step in and stop these government gangsters and stop the takeover of America right now, who's going to do it? So I'm really excited. The campaign's been going great. We're only into our second week. We're getting great responses. We're raising money. And really, everyone is standing up and stepping forward. And to be quite honest, podcasts like yourself make a huge difference. So for all you listeners out there, go to drjeffgunter.com, drjeffgunter.com, and get engaged and get involved. We are the America First, America First campaign. And uh, we have no patience and no tolerance for either rhinos, we have no patience or tolerance for any of the swamp creatures or the deep state. We are 110% supporting Donald Trump, the greatest president we've ever had since Abraham Lincoln, plain and simple. Oh, and you served under President Trump as the ambassador to Iceland. And, you know, you've remained close with the 45th president through all this stuff going on. 
Dr. Gunter, I got to ask you, you know, it, it's going to be something that we're talking about a lot on the show today. You saw, obviously, last night down in Georgia that they indicted President Trump again. They've turned, the, you know, the Justice Department on its head. We've got the Mar-a-Lago raid, which was unprecedented, the document scandal, which they're calling him a spy. They've got, you know, the J6 special counsel going on, which they're basically calling him an insurrectionist. And now they're referring to him as a, as a mob boss type figure with these RICO charges that were jokingly slapped on him yesterday. Just on the outside looking in as someone who's a staunch supporter of Donald Trump. How awful is it to see how far our justice system has fallen and what are some of the things that you think are plausible solutions to getting this country back on track? It's all about winning elections, let's face it. It's all about all of us, all the listeners, go to various campaigns, go to America First candidates who are clearly and unequivocally supporting President Trump. And beware, there's a lot of people out there who try to quote-unquote thread the needle which I personally find so offensive. I even saw many people who Donald Trump gave political positions to and watched them undermine his presidency and watched them, quote unquote, thread the needle. There's no needle to thread with our campaign. We are a Big Mac truck driving through the, through the opening, and the opening is Donald Trump in 2024. So we all have to stand up, step forward, be brave, and get involved and get engaged because they're trying to turn this country into a banana republic. They're weaponizing the DOJ. They're weaponizing the IRS. And we don't want to look back in history and go, what were we doing? We want to say we were engaged, we were involved, and we were supporting Donald Trump. And the reality is that's what we're doing in my senatorial campaign. We are standing up for the people of Nevada, plain and simple. And we will not tolerate and we won't put up with this government gangster stuff. And certainly the uh, policies of Jackie Rosen have been hurting, hurting the people of Nevada, whether it's economic, whether it's a wide open border, whether it's forcing people to get vaccines and wear masks, whether it's taking jobs away from the great culinary workers. The list goes on and on and on. So the answer to your question is let's stand up and make a difference and let's win these elections. Oh, that's that's a great point you make, you know, because we've been tracking elections now for three straight cycles here on Steak for Breakfast. And one of the things we honed in on last time in, in, in the 2022 midterms was a lot of the problems that Nevada has been facing that usually they don't incur. They're not usually a top five state in inflation. They're usually not a top three state in highest gas prices nationwide. Crime and homelessness is is exploded over the course of the last couple of years, as are the amount of illegals who have been funneled into the state and a drug epidemic that's now sweeping across Nevada. And, you know, you, you bring some America first policy platform to the table here, uh, Dr. Gunter, and it, it looks like you're ready to really bounce out Jackie Rosen, who's been nothing but a rubber stamp for Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden since she's took office back in 2019. So well said, exactly. And not only is she a rubber stamp, but let's look at my opponent, Scam Brown. I mean, the reality is Scam Brown, I'm sure all your viewers saw the article on CNN that talked about, get a load of this. You donate, let's say $100 to a political campaign. How much of the money went to actually help those candidates who Scam Brown was actually working for? Less than 2%, okay? $2 of that $100 was going to the cause that you thought you were being told, which was stamping out socialism, stamping out Marxism, and so on and so forth. Where did the rest of your money go? It went to pay down personal debt, personal campaign debt that he had, get a load of this, at a country club in Texas. Wow. So, so it's really been resonating across the country to see 
what actually ethics and can this individual be trust? Can this individual who is a vehicle for the deep state, who's a vehicle for Mitch McConnell, be trusted? And really what's going on here is this all has to do with trust. And if you look at the strong, strong numbers of Donald J. Trump, President Trump, it's all because the American public trust him. They can see he's honest. They can see he's doing what's in their best interest. So you're 100% correct. There's a lot of things that need fixing in Nevada, the gas prices, the human trafficking, the fentanyl deaths. And we're going we're gonna to stop Jackie Rosen. And uh, I just had someone the other day say, I can't wait to see you uh, in the debates, uh, Dr. Gunter, Ambassador Gunter. And I said, oh, with Sam Brown? They said, hell no, with Jackie Rosen. And uh, we're looking forward to that. No, so are we. I mean, listen, I, I want to put it out there for as easy as our listenership can 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 handle here. We have a lot of America First congressmen and women who come on this show, and, and the most America First ones, the Matt Gates, the Wesley Hunts, the Corey Mills, they always say the same things, the Eli Cranes, the Mike Collins. Guys, we're there. We believe in Trump-era policies. We believe in all the things we, we want to have this country go in the right direction. It's a numbers game. You talk about the Senate. You look at the America First there, the J.D. Vance's. You've got the Ted Buds, you've got the Tommy Tubervilles, the Josh Hawleys, but they don't have enough numbers to stand up to Mitch McConnell and his oversized delegation of rhinos. And the only way we're ever going to fix that is progressively get more America First candidates in here. We're getting it with Ambassador Gunter, as we're hearing today, and we look forward to having him back again on the show. Uh, Ambassador, I know you've already teased your campaign website, but we want you to be able to say it again, and then we're going to live link your true social and handle as well. Awesome. Uh, DrJeffGunter.com, DrJeffGunter.com. Uh, stand up. Let's take our country back. We are America first. We are the people that are going to take our country back. And we're not going to look back 10, 15 years from now and be one of those people who are doing nothing. We will do something and we will march forward and we will take our country back. We will win the presidency. We will win the Senate. We will win the House that we already control. And we will make America great again, and we will make Nevada great again. And also, thanks to you guys and your great podcast, you are an incredible vehicle and your listeners to push back on what's going on in America. Stop this Marxist revolution. And we're going to keep moving forward in the right direction. This is the doctor, diplomat, America First patriot, former ambassador to Iceland, and current candidate for the U.S. Senate out of Nevada, Dr. Jeff Gunter. Thanks for joining us on the show today and getting things started. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with the prosecutors and investigators who have worked diligently on the investigation of criminal attempts to interfere in the administration of Georgia's 2020 presidential election. Today, based on information developed by that investigation, a Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment, charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. The indictment includes 41 felony counts, and is 97 pages long. Please remember that everyone charged in this bill of indictment is presumed innocent. Specifically, the indictment brings felony charges against 
Donald John Trump, oh. Rudolph William Louis Giuliani, oh. John Charles Eastman, Mark Randall Meadows, John Cheeseboro, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Lynn Ellis, Ray Stallings Smith III, Robert David Cheeley, Michael A. Roman, David James Schaefer, Sean Micah Tresher Steele, Stephen Cliffgard Lee, Harrison William Prescott Floyd, Travion C. Cootie, Sydney Catherine Powell, oh. Kathleen Austin Latham, Scott Graham Hall, and Misty Hampton, also known as Emily Misty Hayes. Every individual charged in the indictment is charged with one count of violating Georgia's Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act through participation in a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia and elsewhere to accomplish the illegal goal of allowing Donald J. Trump to seize the presidential term of office beginning on January 20th, 21. Specifically, the participants in association took various actions in Georgia and elsewhere to block the counting of the votes of the presidential electors who were certified as the winners of Georgia's 2020 general election. All right, we're jumping in now into the news portion of our show and uh, joining us today to co-host, always an honor and a pleasure, the very handsome CEO of My Patriot Cigar and host of MAGA Mornings on Rumble. Mr. Alan Jacoby's here. It's always an honor to be on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for that introduction, Ron. What's happening? Alan, we love you and we love you even more when you're on the show. <laughs> well, what's happening? Um, let's see. Democracy in the garbage, as usual. Republic ending uh, seems to be the norm. And Donald Trump is now captured another district attorney, Infinity Stone, in regards to... Uh, assembling them all and becoming unstoppable in the general election cycle next year, according to him. That was fat, sloppy, disgusting, adulterer. Adulterer? Well, yeah, she had sex with a person that was being tried in, in, inside of her courthouse. He was a gang member. Um, oh, I, oh, I heard. A, was he a rapper also? Yeah, DEI hire and uh, virtue singler. <laughs> Fanny, the ultimate equity hire. Exactly. Fanny Phony Willis reading off the indictment yesterday. 41 felony counts, I believe 19 defendants, a RICO-style case, and nearly 100 pages long. Hmm. Alan, what do you think? Quick reaction watching uh, democracy burn right in front of us. It's just, it, it, it's a scam. It's a scam. He said, D.A. Phony Willis. I heard uh, Donald Trump said it. Phony Willis. Uh, she's fundraising off of this, attacking Donald Trump. Due process violations, leaked indictment documents. She could barely speak. I mean, 
tweets and phone calls, the, the, the mentioning things that happened while he was sitting president in, in Pennsylvania, not even in her jurisdiction. It's a complete scam, politically motivated, and it is garbage. Yeah, it cer certainly is embarrassment to our country and to the multiple tier legal system that we now operate under. It's really hard to kind of figure out where, if anywhere, this goes, uh, you know, except down. Arrest warrants were issued for Donald Trump. We all know, speaking of virtue signaling and equity hires, the sheriff in Fulton County uh, stated previously that Donald Trump will be treated like a run-of-the-mill, off-the-street criminal right. and, and therefore processed accordingly. So I don't know if that means handcuffs, probably not according to the Secret Service, uh, but he is going to be posed for a mugshot, which is going to be unprecedented in regards to the other instances of indictments that he's been under so far. Um, I think it'll be the best fundraising T-shirt in American history. I was talking to Noah this morning, and uh, I want to let our listenership know we came into the studio early today. If you're listening to today's podcast, check out Monica Crowley's newest episode. It'll be out by the time ours comes out, and Noah and I were guests on her show today. We had an amazing time. Can't say enough about how thankful we are for Monica Crowley having us on. And uh, we actually talked about that. You know, we have no T-shirt policy here on steak for breakfast we never wanted to be merch salesmen and uh we think it's more of a headache just because we do a podcast you know we don't have an actual product besides the one you're hearing right now and it's always been for free and we just never wanted to get involved with you know becoming peddlers of goods and we'd rather just do the news and, and keep it as such but i mean the trump mugshot shirt we're talking Epic. off the charts t-shirt sales for a lot of people who are Got skin in the game there. Uh, speaking of which, Alina Haba, one of Donald Trump's personal attorneys and uh, spokeswoman for multiple things throughout the organization, has absolutely had it. She jumped on Fox News to talk about this, and then we'll talk about her on Fox News this morning as well. As well, what do you expect, Alina? I think we know what we expect because they leaked it by accident because some clerk accidentally filed it a few hours ago. There's going to be counts. It's going to be RICO. We all know what it is because we have a leaky AG prosecutor and DAs in this country. This is ridiculous. So the cameras are even watching this right now, frankly. I mean, it's unprofessional. It's unethical and it's un-American. It is unprecedented. As I, why I don't we don't often get behind the scenes camera footage of the process inside a court. It makes it feel That's like it's ridiculous. almost part of the show. It is part of the show. This is a show. It's a political show. Fanny, I can do TV too. It is not okay what you are doing. This is unacceptable. I, the fact that we have cameras and press sitting there, but I have not seen the indictment as his general counsel for Safe America. I have no indictment yet in, my, in front of me. How is that possible and how is that okay? When do you expect to see one? Uh, will, will, will you find out when the rest of us do? You know when I'll see it? When the New York Times or you guys send it to me. That's True. when I'll see it. True. Because that's the way our country is operating these days. It's just a despicable situation. It really is. I have no words at this point. I have no words. This is the fourth indictment in months. It's political. It's election interference. And it is obvious. Obvious. And if you're not awake yet, I don't really know what's, what it's going to take for you. I really don't. All right, so that was legal counsel Alina Haba, who works for the Trump Organization. She's there serving uh, through the Save America PAC and, and doing a lot of the legal end of the House um, and, and legal business for the Trump team with some of our great friends like Christina Bob. You know, watching this judge, who, who's a newer judge, he was appointed by Brian Kemp 
uh, who's going to be actually overseeing the case. You know, a lot of people think that Fannie Willis is the person that's going to be running the show here. It's not. It's going to be a judge that was appointed just in February. So he's relatively new to the scene and relatively new uh, to Fulton County. So it's going to be interesting to see how a Republican-appointed judge works in regards to handling the way that this case has so many different avenues to, to go down because, you know, President Trump has already put out a statement that he's go- prepared to do a full-on press conference Monday where he's going to be exposing a lot of the conclusive evidence that shows there was some rigging and stealing going on in the 2020 presidential election, especially in places like Georgia. Uh, so it's going to be great to hear him then. I wish he would have put out a statement today uh, so we could have played it on the show, but there was a couple absolute heaters uh, coming down the pike on Truth Social, so we'll get to those in a second. I want to remind everybody where to listen to the show today, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeart, please make sure you subscribe to the show. It helps us out in the algorithms. Also that you're downloading it as well. Social media is Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast podcast accounts. Follow us and hit the notification bell. You'll thank us later. I'm going to be bringing in right now on the phone someone who's going to give us a little bit more of insight into this. He knows his way around the courtroom, especially at the federal level. He was a federal prosecutor for almost 20 years. He was also a special assistant to Donald Trump, the chief of staff to the DOD, and one of our great friends, Mr. Cash Patel, in on the phone right now. Cash, how's it going? Uh, well, let's see. I'm on the best podcast that's out there right now, so my day just got better, even though I'm on negative sleep, just like you guys are working tirelessly to save this country, both on and off the battlefield. So uh, happy to be back with the Elk for Breakfast boys. I love it. You know, I, I told you last night, we, we were texting back and forth, and my son literally told me while we were eating dinner we got home late because he had baseball practice he's like dad your friends on tv and i'm like which one and he's like the guy with the beard and i was like guy with the beard so i like look around the corner and i see you up on the screen i was like oh i'm gonna text this guy right now so no listen it's always awesome when i could see you on the news hearing you talk about the good stuff and, and the great fight that we're fighting here cash but unfortunately donald trump was indicted in court yesterday this time by fanny phony willis and you know they they want to make uh donald trump look like the godfather now he's already played uh confederate general regarding the january 6 one international spy regarding the fair violations and everything in between now he's he's don donald trump so what can you say i mean you know the inside of a courtroom you were a federal prosecutor for a long time you see the way that this is shaping up and it's like i, I see how many you know, people are being charged with Donald Trump. They're trying to make people flip, and it, it, they haven't been able to do it so far. But how do you see this thing kind of developing right now as we're, like, in real time watching it go down? Well, I think the critical thing is that everyone needs to focus on the illegality, not just of the indictment, but the illegality of uh, phony Fanny Phyllis's conduct. When she went out there last night and told the world that she did not know how the illegal disclosure of a grand jury document was perpetrated she is lying as an officer of the court grand jury proceedings in the state of georgia and every other state and in the federal jurisdictions of the united states documents and proceedings are to be kept secret that is a law it is not a rule it is not a suggestion and when she stepped up to the podium and was asked hey Why did this indictment get leaked? Not six minutes before she took to the podium, six hours before it got leaked to the media. She's the district attorney. Her name is on the indictment. 
she has to approve it, the judge has to unseal it and permit her to disclose it. If she does anything before that, her or her prosecutors, that is illegal. And then what happens next is Donald Trump's lawyers have to now come in and challenge not just that lie, but the illegality of it and take her to the chief judge in the jurisdiction and throw that indictment out. Do you think that'll happen in, in actuality, even though based off of the legal premise of everything and how this was so inappropriately handled going into it? I mean, just from the actual instigation of the case all the way up to her, her reading the unsealed indictment yesterday, do you, do you see this thing getting tossed as far as a motion to dismiss? I don't know that the jurisdiction in 97% hot Lanta is set up for it. But it still needs to be made, uh, the claim, because the world will be watching this case. And the world will then see that there's a two-tier system of justice, even in, a, in Atlanta, where homicides are through the roof, crimes against children are through the roof, drug trafficking is through the roof, but the prosecution of Donald Trump is also through the roof. But what they'll see is that, wait a second, if grand jury material can never be publicized, why did you break the law to, quote-unquote, enforce the law in this case? And I think that message is very powerful for President Trump on the campaign trail, just that it has been very powerful uh, based on the D.C. and Florida and New York indictments. <clears throat> I think this one is probably the one that overreaches the most, like you said, by using the RICO statutes, which we used to prosecute mobsters with, because Fannie Phyllis has decided that she doesn't like Donald Trump's quote-unquote corruption. Well, that's not illegal. If you don't like the guy, and that's what she says in her indictment, that's not me or you saying it, she's literally charging Donald Trump with a tweet that's telling the world to watch news. Yep. That's her evidence. And her evidence is, let me charge the whole gang of people and go after the lawyers and the senior advisors to a president of the United States and pierce executive privilege, break attorney-client privilege, throw out due process, and just get the media to say, oh, it's so corrupt, it has to be illegal. That's not how the law works. And um, this case, in her pipe dreams, she wants to try in six months. There is no way that happened. DUI misdemeanors take a year to get to trial. This case ain't going to trial in six months. No, I can agree with you on that one at the very least. Did it did it shock you at all? Uh, you know, today, I don't know if you've heard yet, Cash, because you, you've been busy running around traveling. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp put out a statement, and I'm going to paraphrase it now. There was no rigged or stolen in Georgia in 2020. Get over it. Focus on 2024. End paraphrase. Well, I mean, that guy has spoken his mind repeatedly, and um, he's going to be and has been on the wrong side of history. Maybe if he focused on crime in his state, the murder rate wouldn't be through the roof. Maybe if he focused on crime in his state, our children wouldn't be ODing from Chinese fentanyl. Maybe if you focused on crime in the state, gangs wouldn't be overtaking the state of Georgia and Atlanta specifically and destroying our communities. But instead, the chief enforcement officer of the state of Georgia resorts to lame, cheap political tactics like he has done his entire career. Because again, like Fanny Phyllis, he shares a mutual hatred for Donald Trump and allows that hatred to drive his decision-making process. Georgia should be ashamed of this district attorney and should be horrified that this governor that they have put in office is allowing these baseless prosecutions to proceed so they can so they can achieve some sort of political vendetta. Well, you know, if you focused on crime in his state, Fannie Willis wouldn't have any gangsters to cheat on her husband with. <laughs> we always get well, him on Sunday breakfast. No, here's the thing. 
There's going to be a lot of uh, jump-in-the-gun reactions out here from Republicans, from the base in America first, all the way up to our Congress people. Cash, you always cut right through this with the samurai sword of truth. Impeaching Joe Biden, regardless of the joke of a special counsel they, they assigned to him, is not what we need to be focused on. There's so many more other components, including the current U.S. Attorney General of the United States, someone who's turned the Justice Department upside down and into a banana republic right now, Merrick Garland, Jack Smith, who's leading the special counsel, Christopher Ray. There's so many people we could go at. Where should Republicans target right now as far as their motivation for getting to, you know, get these people to use the rule of law and not continue to create multiple tiers of justice in our country? Yeah, it's pretty simple for me. Look, the vortex for all of these uh, points of destruction of our Constitution is the FBI and DOJ. So target Ray and Garland and impeach them. And I would add Fannie Willis to the, to the list. Yes, I just said Fannie Willis. Congress should immediately subpoena her for her unlawful disclosure of grand jury information for political gain and weaponization. And I guarantee you that the DOJ has submitted funding to the Georgia District Attorney's Office involved in this case to utilize taxpayer dollars to prosecute these types of crimes and or this case specifically, which is a jurisdictional hook they need. So haul her up to Congress if the chief judge won't and demand why she explain herself as to why she broke the law to go after President Trump and disclose this material informally. Going after Biden is a waste of time. Going after Garland and Ray and putting him in the hot seat close the material regarding Hunter Biden's corruption, regarding Joe Biden's pay for play, regarding uh, the retaliation against brave whistleblowers. We need at the election uh, day ballots because America will be making their decisions not on a weaponized DOJ, but on the actual receipts. And that's what they will do unless we are Republican majority Congress acts. They will get away with it. And we will be sitting on the sidelines watching them destroy justice. And I just don't see enough action out of the Republican majority in Congress right now. Um, They're not holding the line. Hey, real quick, I just want to touch on President Trump's weekend. I mean, looked like a rock star at live. Also dominated the field, uh, the Republican fake primary, as we call it here on the show. There's Donald Trump, who's running towards a three-peat and eventual coronation to the Republican nomination. And then there's, like, the fake primary and the multiverse that they're playing underneath that, you know... (laughs) News organizations and pundits want to talk about, oh, yeah, but, you know, this is so awesome when Ada Hutchinson or Chris Christie or Nikki Haley says this, and it's like, yeah, okay, they have no policy platform, they have no receipts. Donald Trump's absolutely walking to it. When you see Donald Trump get out there and be amongst the American public where he's touchable, he's interactive, that's where he is is at his strongest. I feel right now Donald Trump has more momentum, even with all this lawfare being waged against him, than at any point in 2015 or 2020 what do you think, Catch, watching him work his magic in Iowa this past weekend? Yeah, I mean, you, you see the reaction from the American people. That's the only poll that matters. And when you see no one show up in Iowa for Ron DeSantis and everyone show up for Trump, um, you've seen the results of what the American public feels and demonstrates on a daily basis anytime Donald Trump gets out there and shows them how much he cares for them, which is he's doing more um, hands-on, in-person uh, politicking than any politician out there and delivering on substance. And you are seeing the results and you're going to continue to see it. Donald Trump is the only person I know that can get stronger after a federal indictment. And he will get even stronger after this one, raise even more money and more Americans will come under the tent of the America first movement because they are sick and tired of a weaponized DOJ. Who's going to go after their friends, their family, their neighbors next, because they dared to say something antagonistic of president Biden and, and his catastrophe 
that is a White House and his criminal syndicate that is his family and the corruption that has led to the demise of the United States and that has led to crime surging across our country. These are simple things that Americans are seeing. And President Trump successfully, in his first administration, took them all on. And the rhino Republicans and the Democrats and the media hated him for it because he did the things that they had lied to the American people about for years. He just got them done. And the American people are seeing through this bogus fourth indictment down in Georgia. And more and more Americans, it's backfiring on the Democrats already, are seeing the effect of the Democratic radical agenda. And while they might policy-wise agree with the Democratic radical wing more, um, I think they are so sick and tired of them that they're coming over to the Trump camp. And you're just seeing it every day. He can, this guy, Donald Trump, can show up unannounced at a coffee shop in the middle of Texas, and he will have more people there in three minutes than Ron DeSantis can get at any campaign event if he planned it for three months. But Ron DeSantis was passing out hard-boiled eggs on a stick in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know that was a thing, but, uh, you know, maybe he, he may want to eat some of those. Yeah, well, that's neither here nor there. Cash, before we cut with you, we always got to push every single thing that you're working on because in addition to being one of the champions of America First, you're working behind the scenes to make a lot of people's life normal again, whether it's your charitable organization, your new book, merch. You tell us. We'll live link it in the show description today. No, I appreciate it. Look, Government Gangsters is out September 19th, finally. After a year-long delay in a federal lawsuit, there's got to be a reason the government didn't want you to read my book. I talk about the corruption, the Judge Chutkins of the world, the Garlands, the Rays, all the gangsters. Uh, Pre-order right now, governmentgangsters.com. And help support us at the Cash Foundation. We're giving money away to whistleblowers, the Jan 6 families. Uh, we got the uh, kids and tuition. We're doing as much as we can. Cashfoundation.com. It's the best merch in the business. Um, you've probably seen a lot of it on Truth Social the last few days and we're going to keep going, and we, as always, we appreciate the support of your great podcast, uh, Stay for Breakfast. And one day I'll get its name formally changed, but that day won't be today. Sure won't. This is the former chief of staff to the <laughs> DOD, one of our great friends. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Take care. Well, it's good hearing from Cash. Fiery but mostly peaceful Cash Patel, one of our favorite PAPS enthusiasts, named us elk for breakfast on true social we'll take it because he's not really that much of a steak enjoyer but anytime we can catch him all it does is help boost the narrative we're trying to push right here counter to the one that we saw last night two of alan's absolute favorites randy maddow hosted killery <laughs> on her show last night as the news of the indictment and the charges that were about to be dropped on donald trump were breaking in real time they decided to have a little bit of a i guess we'll call it gloat session Let's check it out. Party. One of the things that we have learned by living it in these past few years is that democracy needs the trust of the people. That's right. That um, the system of democracy at its heart is the idea that the people get to decide how we are governed. And if we, if we no longer believe that our will is effectuated through the system, if bad actors tell us falsely that every election is stolen and that the only way an election is uh, trustworthy is if they come out on top of it, um, then something it's, it, it's, it tells you something not just about that person or that moment. It maybe wounds us as a democracy and in a way that is hard to repair. Mm -hmm. What do you think about how we get better um, 
after the wounds that have been inflicted on us through this process? Well, I think, you know, the truth matters. Um, I think having these cases be brought and be brought in such professional manners, we'll see how they unfold. Obviously, uh, the trials, um, if there are trials, are going to be critically important. But the article you mentioned that I published about the weaponization of loneliness really does, in my view, point to the larger cultural concerns because the lack of trust, the divisiveness, the undermining of faith in ourselves, in each other, uh, respect for our institutions, uh, the rule of law, all of that has been deliberately inculcated within our body politic. You know, there were trends before. I mean, we have seen how people have become more isolated, less community-oriented, less civically-minded. Then we see how social media and technology has certainly accelerated a lot of those trends. But the deliberate effort to divide Americans, to lie to Americans about what was going on literally in front of their own eyes, what happened on January 6th, Don't believe what you saw, believe what I tell you. Those are all the hallmarks of authoritarian, uh, dictatorial kinds of uh, uh, leaders. Fuck you. (laughs) I hate you. Alan, you seemed filled with glee listening to those two, I don't even know what to call them, things gloat over. the. When Hillary Clinton talked about trials, you could almost see her like in a nostalgia-like sense, imagining yes. like the Nazi war crime trials in her head with the gallows in the background yes. and Donald Trump and all the boys from the leak group chat in the defendant's box and, and, and that the will of the world was anticipating with joy the fact that these people, regardless of what their case was, are all going to be put to death. It's true. It's their little, they had their little watch party. That whole interview is the best punchline to a lesbian and serial killer walk into a studio <laughs> to take them seriously would be just a, a, a ridiculous they the smile on her face and this is a person who right after the 2016 election went ahead her and her friend nancy pelosi that the the uh, election was hijacked this is someone whose campaign spent money on the fake russian <laughs> the steel dossier, the Russian hoax, the whole thing. You can't take these people seriously. She's talking about lies happening in front of your face. Her campaign was a lie. Everything about them is a lie. Yep. And it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. Well, it certainly is. And you want to know what? We're going to get into a couple statements here before we wrap up this segment with a few more clips. Donald Trump put one out there on True Social this morning. I'm going to be reading it. From the 45th president, a large, complex and detailed but irrefutable report on the presidential election fraud, which took place in Georgia, is almost complete and will be presented by me at a major news conference at 11 a.m. on Monday of next week from Bedminster, New Jersey. Based on the results of this conclusive report, all charges should be dropped against me and others. There will be a complete exoneration. They never went after those that rigged the election. They only went after those that fought to find the riggers. Riggers is in all caps. Brian Kemp, within the hour, put out a dueling statement. I don't know if you'd seen this one yet. No. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh... He listen. He's loving this, and he knows he can say what he wants because he doesn't have any pardon power as governor of Georgia. No, but I think he does have the ability in some context to kind of step in and do something. Uh, at least, 
listen, a public statement of support would have been nice. Uh, yes. But, but here's the deal. Brian Kemp from his Twitter account this morning. The 2020 election in Georgia was not oh. stolen. For nearly three years now, anyone with evidence of fraud has failed to come forward or go under oath or prove anything in a court of law. Our elections in Georgia are secure, accessible, fair, and will continue to be as long as I am governor. The future of our country is at stake in 2024, and that must be our focus. Meaning, screw Donald Trump and his legal issues. We need to move on and focus on the next election. And that's what a lot of rhino Republicans' attitude is. And I tell everybody, I said it this morning on my show, is pay attention to the people that are not saying anything. The Republicans, your representatives that are keeping quiet and just riding the fence. And then, of course, pay attention to the ones like Brian Kemp and others that are uh, purposely, uh, whether it's in code or straight out, uh, speaking against Donald Trump, they are dividing the party. And I'll say it and I'll say it again. For me... It's Trump and only Trump, whether he's on the ballot or I have to write him in. I will watch the GOP in this country burn before I am uh, given another option to vote for president of 2024. You know, I put out a poll last night that's nearly complete. I gave three options in the fallout from the indictments being unsealed and read last night on uh, cable news. Uh, The poll was MAGA hat stays and your options were on A, on B, or on C. In almost an unprecedented nature, with nearly 100% of the vote, actually 100% of the vote, MAGA hat stays on. I voted. I had to look twice to see what my options were, but I voted. MAGA hat stays on, always. We like to do it nice and simple here on Steak for Breakfast. (laughs) Stephen Miller was getting into comparisons last night. We all know that one of Donald Trump's greatest friends, who are very handsome and slender and thin, was North Korean dictator Kim (laughs) Jong-un. Stephen Miller had a great comparison to the justice system here in the United States with the uh, Hermit Kingdom. Let's hear it. Oh, Stephen, let's get it. Uh, you're obviously in touch with a lot of your friends in, the, in now the Trump campaign and hearing from them tonight. What is their reaction to you and what's your reaction personally? Well, let me just say that everybody in Trump world, everybody who is a who is a friend, an associate, a colleague of President Trump's and his staff is just appalled and horrified by the not just the persecution relentlessly of President Trump, but by anybody who's ever worked for him, anybody who's ever served with him, everybody who's been associated with him. This is an all out effort to use our legal system to purge President Trump and his staff out of the political system entirely. You just talked to Paul Manafort. He was a political prisoner. Mike Flynn was a political prisoner. Roger Stone was a political prisoner. One after another after another. And now they want Donald Trump to be a political prisoner. And as Mark Levin has said, they're adding up indictments that would lead to almost a thousand years in jail. I mean, North Korea wouldn't even dream of something like this. My question tonight is at what point? Are elected Republicans going to realize the gravity and the severity of this threat? The radical left just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, and all they find is soft jelly. If elected Republicans do not realize the magnitude of what is happening, then the liberty that we have known in this country for almost three centuries will be gone, Sean. I truly believe that. Realer words can't be spoken. I know we we joke at leading the end with the the relationship that Donald Trump and and the North Korean dictator have, but you know when you when you look at it, he's right. They can't cook up a scheme like this in North Korea because when they disagree with their political opponents, they tie them to a post and and literally fire mortars at them until they blow them up. 
um, for as much as they'd like to do that to Donald Trump here, you know, it, it's it's they're working the other way around. And Alan, when you look at some of these charges, I mean, this is a RICO case. Solicitation of oath to, you know, commit perjury, commit impersonation, to commit forgery, false statements, witness intimidation, false writings, violation of oath of office. I mean, these are these are constitutionally protected rights that you have as an individual to formulate and make your opinion. Now they're making it to seem like if the status quo of the way most people think is the outcome of a situation and you question it and then talk to people about why you're questioning it, not only are you wrong, but you're a felon. Yes. I mean, they were even, there's even things outlined in this indictment that say like places like Newsmax and OAN and right side broadcasting network where Donald Trump either tweeted about or shared uh, news segments or videos of, other people questioning the election are being used as evidence to formulate the case around him that he like cooked up this narrative and tried to push it on the American people as legitimate. His opinion is legitimate. If that's his opinion. I mean, you're, you're in the demographic that believes Donald Trump never thought he lost a 2020 presidential election. Yes. I, I truly, I know that he believes he did not lose the election that he won the election. And, and you have to realize he's one. He, he, the president of the United States has many, many advisors and some advisors may say, nope, it looks like the election's legitimate. And others may say, nope, it looks like we have a lot of irregularities and here's why. And, and they all it's their job to advise him. And then it's, it's it's up to him to formulate his opinion and make a decision. I believe he made the 100 percent correct decision in questioning the election and in, in disputing the election and its integrity because we all saw it and they will not. I mean, look what's going on in Michigan now with the, with the 8,000 to 10,000 ballots. That, uh, it, there, there's still things coming out. Now the yeah. FBI is complicit, the state police, the attorney general. I mean, there are so many things still happening. And again, the, this unprecedented now precedence they, that they have set, the, the Democrats better be prepared because this can now can whoever the ruling party is in the executive branch now has has the ability to politically persecute and prosecute their opponents, the uh, the their major, their front running opponents. And it I, I really feel wrong. I woke up this morning with this just disgusting feeling that we are closer than right there of just losing everything, just throw out the Constitution and we're coming up on 250 years of our great republic, and it just, to me, it's failing every day. No, I can't agree with you more. And, you know, when, when you just look at how this is shaping up, it's, it's a dark day, but it, it's becoming more normalized. And, you know, I wrote an article. It's our newest substack that just came out last week, and it's called, you know, Retribution Runs Both Ways. Merrick Garland, who's one of the biggest revenge hires in the history of modern politics at this point, if not the biggest, because of what he's been able to do to not only turn the U.S. Justice Department on its head, but weaponize it against political opponents. I still feel in my soul that he is still running to be nominated to the Supreme Court if a Democrat can win re-election in 2024, because we all know Clarence Thomas and, uh, you know, Alito, Samuel Alito, they're not going to make it 
until no. the 2028 election. They wanted to get out during this term because they were confident that Donald Trump was going to win and we would get some new conservative judges on there. But you talk about those two vacating the bench. And then, then what are we at? We're, we're back to what? Five, four. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Claire, like Clarence Thomas is definitely leaving, you yeah. know, after, after the next election, he's gone. And I could see it. I could see whoever the next, if, if a Democrat takes the Oval Office, I don't believe it's going to be Joe Biden, but I could see meritless uh, Garland be, be a replacement for him if the Democrats have their way. Leading the it's unjustice this, system right now. Yes, yes. Who, you know, they talk about impeaching Joe Biden all the time. And okay, it's great, you know, court of uh, public opinion and optics, but I think they should be going after people like meritless Garland and Mayorkas for everything that they have done. Uh, as as primary to uh, going after Joe Biden, it's just these Repu- these gutless Republicans have to do something, and that's the problem. They're all just sitting back and watching it all unfold, and 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 giving great sound bites to make it seem like they they really care. But the fact of the matter is, I think most of them really don't. Oh, you're you're right. I was in a Twitter Spaces last night. It was hosted by Jim Paff, great friend of the show, former chief of staff to Capitol Hill. Uh, Matt Gates was one of the speakers, and, and and Congressman Gates actually alluded to like impeaching Joe Biden is completely pointless and worthless. We should let the legal system play out. We should do this the right way. And by the time the investigation is ready to make it to an impeachable level, it'll probably be election time. They'll go through the election. If he wins, they could go for it, double jeopardy. If not then they could go after Joe Biden, private citizen, when he loses next year. But subpoenaing Jack Smith and the special counsel and trying to do things to their funding and letting Jack Smith go into an Eric Holder-like situation where he's in contempt of Congress could lead to legitimate impeachment hearings based off the fact that he's working at the direction of Merrick Garland, and then you can go after impeaching Merrick Garland, which, I mean, there's so many cabinet members, you could, you know, throw a dart at the dartboard with with all of their faces on it, whether it's Janet Yellen, Mayor Pete, you know, uh, Merrick Garland, Alejandro Mayorkas, every single one of them ain't worth the shit, and all of them have reached the threshold, whether it's for natural disasters or the economy, the way our infrastructure is crumbling, the border, or the Justice Department have reached the threshold to be impeached, but I guess we're going to have to see how that plays out. I know the Republicans are at some... Republican leadership is at a retreat this weekend, Kevin McCarthy, a lot of the committee chairs, and uh, I'm hoping that they come back at some point before the week is over, ready to fight and do something other than just posting on Twitter. I've got one more clip for us before we jump in with Case Pack Executive Director Brian Leib. But uh, let's check out Liz Harrington. She, I saw her on the news this morning. She was on News Nation bringing the fire. Uh, from the former president. Well, Adrian, I don't think we've ever seen such an affront to our justice system and the rule of law than what we witnessed in Fulton County yesterday. They released these sham charges in this indictment before the grand jury had even met, heard witnesses, or voted. That says it all, that this was just another show trial. Uh, show me the man, I'll show you the fake crimes, and they're going to ram this through because they want to interfere in the 2024 election. So what did they do? They released this indictment in the middle of the night in Fulton County, just like they count votes without observers present. And they released these counts and charged President Trump for literally sending tweets, encouraging people to watch the news, to uh, engage in public hearings, uh, to hold press conferences. And they're trying to criminalize not just his First Amendment rights, but his, his right to participate in the democratic process. And while they're doing that, 
They're trying to take away the American people's choice of participating in the democratic process in the 2024 election. It is a travesty. It is a disgrace. But there is nothing tying it to the facts or the law. We'll win in this just like we'll win in all the other sham indictments that have come the past five months to clearly try to take down the number one political opponent of this corrupt administration. No lies detected. And, you know, we're going to continue to track this throughout the course of the week. I'm sure we'll have some more commentary and analysis on it by the time our Friday edition of the show airs. It's Tuesday here on the West Coast. We're still a week away from having Donald Trump's press conference regarding this matter. If he has any kind of speaking arrangement or statements released in the uh, video context, we'll be sure to have those ready for Friday's show as well. We're getting ready to jump in with Brian Live right now. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, He's the executive director at Case Pack. He's also a Newsmax insider. Love when he contributes on the show here. Mr. Brian Live, thanks for joining us on the show. No, thanks, Ron. Appreciate you having me back on. Well, I wish I could have you uh, join us and, and not start off the segment with dark times, but they got a little bit darker last night when Donald Trump was again indicted, multiple felonies down in Georgia, and uh, probably one of the biggest witch hunts in the history of our republic continues and, and, and rages on. Brian, what do you think? It is, uh, it's just more distraction, more political theater, uh, you know, that's coming from, from the left and coming from a lot of these radical and progressive DAs throughout this country that I know it's, it's not kosher to talk about, but a lot of these DAs are, are funded by George Soros with his millions of dollars of campaign contributions. So in a lot of ways they're bought and paid for. Um, but that's, what's happening here. Listen, we, we have, I think we're coming up either today or recently on the two-year anniversary of the botched Afghanistan withdrawal that saw countless Americans lose their lives and, 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 and not just losing their lives, but I think America's standing in the world really took a major shot on that day uh, with people looking at us. We have a wide open southern border. We have Brazil, Russia, China, other countries that are looking to create their own currency to stop using the U.S. dollar for trade. We've got a $6 billion deal that potentially might be happening uh, where we're going to transfer $6 billion of unfrozen assets to the Islamic Republic of Iran. And, of course, we have the hunter crimes uh, that just keep getting more interesting by the day. Um, but this is where we're at, right? Uh, no one wants to talk. The left doesn't want to talk about any of these things. They want to keep their focus, keep their ire on President Donald Trump, who, as we've heard many times, says he is fighting for us. And I think he really is. He certainly is fighting for us, but he's fighting for the fabric of this nation right now that really seems to be shredding away on a daily basis. But thank God uh, there are people out there, millions, hundreds of millions, I think, of Americans that see what's happening. Uh, and we're not going to take it anymore. We are so fed up with this nonsense and we are just not going to take it anymore. Oh, it seems like our nation is reaching a breaking point. And it, it was very interesting to get up this morning and, you know, go through the news, both local and, and cable, the mainstream media. They mentioned kind of the stuff that's going on and, and some of the conservative leaning news networks have on their pundits to talk about it and lawyers to hypothesize on where the latest indictment is going to go for Donald Trump. But 
I would say more so than not, they're, they're already trying to just skirt it out of the news cycle. It's like they've done what they needed to do, and that was indict him and make him fight some more lawfare. Now let's get on to talk about things like, I mean, I'll, I'll use this as an example. We had this indictment coming down last night, and Laura Ingram opened up her show for a half hour talking about crime in San Francisco, like that's something new or, you know, like revolutionary to talk about. I thought it was an absolute joke, and, and I think right now, uh, one of the things that bothers me the most, probably you as well, Brian, I want to hear your take on this. Kevin McCarthy hasn't called Congress back to, to Washington, D.C. yet. There's no immediate need or, or feeling that Kevin McCarthy is having at this moment to address this head on uh, with congressional investigations. I mean, it's nice to put out long worded tweets that are, you know, mean leaning, but. The fact of the matter is, is people are starting. I, I look in the comment section of even some of our America First Congress people who we love and host on the show on a regular basis. It's great that they're out there openly supporting President Trump. But the people in the comment section, the, the voters, the constituents are like, okay, great. Now do something. Why is nothing happening? Well, I think right now it's, it's I mean, uh, using the word calm before the storm maybe isn't, isn't applicable here, applicable here, but I, I think that potentially might be happening. So uh, right now, uh, Kevin McCarthy and, and House Republican leadership, uh, I believe, are at a, at a retreat right now yep. uh, that I think kicked off yesterday. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some, some daggers, some bombs coming out of this retreat. I, I think... I think that Kevin McCarthy has been good on a lot of things and he's been a little slow on some other things. Uh, but I do think that, that he is going to come out swinging very hard and, and they have to, uh, they, they just really have to. I mean, listen, I think we're at a point right in the, in this country where you've got a guy like Oliver Anthony, who no one knew anything about a week ago. He puts out a video about how the dollar ain't shit anymore and how he's, you know, he's tired of the government's overreach, tired of the government telling us what to do, how to do it. And a guy came from nothing to now he has the most viral song on all platforms right now. Right. So, so that is what's happening. There's a groundswell that's been happening in America for a long time now, whether it's Oliver Anthony's song, whether it's Jason Aldean's try that in a small town song these things are going viral and and roan they're going viral because it's speaking to the american people it's speaking to how we feel and we truly are so fed up with this nonsense in this country right now i mean oliver oliver talks he made he took a shot at at, uh, at Jeffrey Epstein, right? And he talks about the miners, you know, it, on one island, right? And, and of course, we should be talking and condemning that. But, you know, what about the, the, the hundreds of thousands of miners in this country right now that are waking up every single day in poverty and have been, you know, for, for the last couple decades? You know, what is being done about these root cause issues that really can can lift all americans up instead we're focusing on some select things we just announced another 200 billion dollar military aid package going to ukraine i mean when are we going to start putting the american people first it's great to help other countries it's great to to, to use our influence and our money and our power to help other people. But when are we going to start taking care of the American people first and foremost? And that's why president Trump is so popular still, because that is his message. You know, he is a lot of things, but one thing he is for sure is he stays on message. And the message is, is that he's fighting for us because he sees what we see. And that, and, and, and it really has just gotten to a level in this country right now where 
you know, whether it's weaponizing the DOJ, whether it's radical DAs at a local level, you know, executing on their political agendas. Uh, we are at we're in some dark waters here, some stormy waters. Um, with that said, Rowan, I do think the American people see all of this for what it is. It's political theater. It's nonsense. It's a distraction from the actual issues and problems that we're having in our country right now. And uh, we're not going to take it anymore. We're fighting back. Yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, the ranks are getting ready and, and, and things are really shaping up to, uh, you know, th this has to stop. When you just take into consideration the last 72 hours, Brian, doesn't it feel like ancient history that Hunter Biden was, uh, you know, awarded a special counsel just last Friday? It, it seems like it was you know, months ago, we had this huge humanitarian disaster with the fires in, in Hawaii that Joe Biden and, and anyone else in the Biden regime could give two shits about. There's been no official comments. Donald Trump went out and put out, a, a, you know, a statement yesterday. That's what a real president looks like. And, and, and now you have Donald Trump going to Iowa, absolutely dominating the rest of the field in person there. They can't hide it from the American public. They, I, I heard a lot of spin. A lot of big-time podcasts and a lot of cable news shows over the last 24 hours have been, you know, making excuses for every single one of the candidates that are in single digits while Donald Trump is walking away with this primary. And it shows in the new polls that have come out just today uh, where Donald Trump has some of the biggest leads uh, in the history of this primary, and Ron DeSantis slips again to third place behind people like Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie and Nikki Haley in multiple states. Um, it's time to stop the games. It's time for Congress to act. It's time for the Republican Party. You know, Asa Hutchinson comes out yesterday and, and just makes some just subhuman comments about Donald Trump getting indicted again when he knows this is nothing but lawfare. We've just seen breaking over the course of our show today. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp comes out and says, you know, there was no rigged and stolen and we need to move on and focus on 2024. That's essentially saying, like, the Republican Party needs to abandon and walk away from Donald Trump. How, how come much longer are the American people going to allow? You know, it's so easy to go to the ballot box and make the safe party pick so you know things won't change and to keep the way you feel in power. But when you see how these people are really working with each other in a collaborative effort to basically disqualify the greatest political icon probably in the history of this country from running for public office and being the president of the United States again, enough is <laughs> enough. Hey, it was the man indeed. And, and, you know, one thing that, that I find really interesting, whether it's the, the Asa Hutchinson's of the world or the Brian Kemp's of the world and the Mitt Romney's of the world, you know, this is a very small fraction of the Republican Party, very sure. small fraction. Um, but what they do have on their side is the mainstream media, unfortunately, I think on both sides, both on the left and the right. So when they say things like this, it gets amplified. And, and given so much airtime that people think that this is the reality, but the reality is, is not that. And, and you can look no further than the fact that Vivek Ramaswamy, who is a political no one, a nobody, is now higher than Ron DeSantis in the polls. Now, Ron, why is that? I think it's very clear. Vivek has an America first message. In a lot of ways, he, he uses a lot of Donald Trump's talking points and America first talking points. And should we be surprised that he's now, you know, uh, eclipsed Ron DeSantis? I don't think we should be because, again, that speaks to the American electorate. People are sick and tired of what's happening right now. Um, and and, and I want to I want to make a note uh, about Brian Kemp, right, and what's happening in Georgia right now. I put out a tweet this morning. Uh, the you know I shared that video that that we all saw where. 
you know, uh, they said there was a water pipe break yep. and next thing, you know, everyone's, you know, taken out of the building. And next thing, you know, there's video cameras of people going under a desk and bringing out duffel bags while no one else is there. Like, is that another one of these conspiracy theories that, you know, is going to turn out to be not really such a conspiracy theory? I mean, like, why hasn't Brian Kemp addressed this? Why hasn't anyone in Georgia really addressed this? I mean, the video is pretty clear. Uh, you know, it, you know, like they're pulling duffel bags under a table and then they're counting them when no one else is in the room. So, like, call me a conspiracy theorist. Call me whatever the hell you want. But, like, why has no one ever addressed that? Why has no one ever talked about that? Um, and, and I mean, this is, this is, this is why so many Americans have no faith in our institutions anymore. This is why so many Americans don't even vote in the first place. Ron, do you know that at a local level around this country, whether it's Philadelphia, Miami, Atlanta, Chicago, New York, anywhere you go, the average turnout for, for, for a general election, for the mayoral, for the mayor candidate, general election is less than 30% in this country. Yep. People are tuned out. They, they they don't have any faith in our institutions anymore. You see a higher voter voter uh, voter uh, uptick in presidential elections because of the billions of money that is put into into putting in on the mainstream media and all this different stuff. So people think it's sexy, but so they vote. But the bottom line is is that people are so disconnected and so disenfranchised with what's happening in politics in this country right now. And they have every right to be. I mean, this the stuff with you, with Hunter Biden. You put out, you, you appoint a special counsel on a Friday afternoon. It gets lost in the news media. You know, it's the, it's the famous Friday afternoon news drop. It gets buried. And, and it, it's just, this is what's happening. I mean, there's so many things happening in this country right now that that really are not right. Uh, but I but I am convinced and I feel good about the fact that there are there's got to be over 100 million Americans that think the same way you and I think. And we're sick and tired of this nonsense. We are not going to take it anymore, whether that's electing Donald Trump uh, next year as our president and making him the 47th president, whether it's getting more involved at a grassroots level, at a local state county level. I think people are so fed up with what's happening in this country right now. Uh, and, uh, and we're not going to take it anymore and we're going to show it, uh, in, uh, in, in the general election, uh, in, in 2024. Yeah. They want to make us try and forget that 74 million plus people came out and voted for Donald Trump less than three years ago. I think that's an excellent point you make there, Brian. We're not going to forget. No, we're, we're not going to forget. And, and, and those people that voted for him, uh, have not forgotten. And, and you're seeing, again, you're seeing that happen, you know, with a guy like this, this, this Oliver Anthony, he puts out this video. No one's ever heard of the guy. Next thing you know, he's a viral superstar because he is putting out a video and words that speak to those 74 million Americans that are fed up with what's happening in this country right now. Can't agree more. Brian, before we cut with you today, we always want to touch on the great work you're doing over now as the executive director of Case Pack. You've taken the fight against anti-Semitism in this country, inside the Beltway and up to Capitol Hill. What's the absolute latest you could tell our listenership on what's going on with that? You know, the, the latest is is uh, there still is anti-Semitism that is coming from members of Congress on a weekly basis. Uh, the most recent incident was with Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib uh, from uh, Detroit, Michigan. She attended an art show 
uh, that, uh, you know, listen, you attend an art show. What's wrong about an art show? Well, the thing with this art show is they had a uh, picture or artwork that glorified a convicted Palestinian terrorist who hijacked two planes in the late 1960s and 1970s. And and this is what's happening, right? This is members of Congress. They're, they're glorifying convicted terrorists that have called for Israel to be wiped off the map. And by the way, for those uh, uh, in the audience that don't know what it means, when someone says wiping Israel off the map, they're talking about killing Jews. They're talking about another Holocaust. They're talking about getting rid of every single Jew that is living inside of Israel. That is what they're calling for. And, and, and this, this individual, Layla Khaled, this convicted terrorist, she was glorified at this art show. And sure enough, there's Rashida Tlaib, uh, being pictured, uh, clapping along next to this artwork, you know. So, you know, listen, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and Pramila Jayapal and Cori Bush and AOC and all these individuals, they seem to do everything they possibly can to pour gasoline on the fire. And the truth of the matter is, is that anti-Semitism really is at, at historic levels in this country right now. Jews in America represent less than 2% of the population, but for some reason, we're the target of over 60% of the hate crimes. Those are only the reported hate crimes. 60% of the hate crimes in this country right now. So listen, the fight, whether it's fighting for America first values, whether it's fighting against anti-Semitism, we're going to do everything that we can to fight for the future of this country. Uh, and if anyone's interested in supporting CasePAC, go to our website, CasePAC, C-A-S-E-P-A-C, Dot org to learn a little bit more about the work that we're doing. But Ron, keep up all the great work you guys are doing uh, and exposing the, the truth. Uh, the truth will always prevail, whether it's fighting anti-Semitism or whether it's fighting back against this corrupt government, corrupt media. Uh, the America First agenda is a winning agenda, and we're going to win, baby. Absolutely love it, Brian. Love when you come on the show. Can't say enough about the work you do. That's why you make bi-monthly appearances here on the show. We're in the trenches with you, and uh, we support your you know efforts and endeavors 100%. This is the executive director of Case Pack, one of our great friends, a Newsmax insider, Mr. Brian Leib. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Ron, so much. Keep up the fight, my man. President Biden's handling of the case has raised questions at a time when voters already have doubts about his age and political standing. Biden brought his son to a state dinner just two days after the plea deal that has since collapsed was announced. And he has repeatedly defended him, denying wrongdoing altogether, even though Hunter Biden himself has pled guilty. I'm confident. First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. Thank you. Did you encourage him to take my plea deal? What they've got is Hunter Biden, and we all seem clear that this guy was addicted to drugs and did a lot of really unlawful and wrong things. And we have said, let the justice system run its course. Up above, we can hear a plane flying, and that plane is pulling a banner. That banner says, if you can take a look, it says, be likable Ron. So someone, we don't know uh, who is paying for this, but taking a dig at Ron DeSantis, foreshadowing Donald Trump's arrival. What? We're in Iowa. And in Iowa, we're Iowa nice. Oh. So let's give everybody the opportunity to hear our candidates. So we'll stop. We'll stop until you do. Oh. But we're all going to have an opportunity 
to hear from each and every candidate. That's what we've been doing. So, okay. Okay. All right. Coming back now to do a little bit more of the news. So much breaking today with the Trump indictment coming down late last night. Though we're going to split news too. Talk about Hunter Biden's special counsel that was assigned on Friday. I know everybody, their mothers just about forgot about it yet. And Trump dominating the Iowa State Fair, which is literally the only way you could look at it. Any other way you're going to look at it is kind of a joke. And uh, you should check your credibility when you make statements saying that people like Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and whoever else people hosted on their shows or programs, uh, you know, wanted to highlight it as. want to thank Brian Live for coming down. Always great for talking to him. And before we get into the Hunter Biden special counsel stuff, Alan, you had a great weekend this weekend, especially on Sunday. You made it over to Bedminster. Uh, you were at the Live Golf Tournament, but it wasn't a golf tournament just to be there and watch. You had some VIP experience, to say the least. Why don't you give us a little bit of insight on just how your weekend went down? Well, it was an experience, to say the least. Like you said, a Live Golf Tournament, which is a great event in itself at, of course, the beautiful uh, Bedminster Golf Club owned by Donald Trump and the family. Oh, I know him. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a very unique experience. I was there with great patriots, with Cynthia Hughes from the Patriot Freedom Project, and uh, Laura Loomer, the receipt queen herself. I got to spend the day with her. Paul Ingrassia from the Board of Advisors, New York Young Republican Club, great friend, and we were invited to uh, watch the golf tournament with. The 45th president of the United States in his private box for the entire day. And when I say the entire day, we were with him for a good six, seven hours. Wow. Just talking about everything from his, you know, this wasn't a political event. This was Donald Trump sitting back watching golf. You know, uh, his Ivanka was there. Eric Trump was there. Their children were there. Got even to speak with them eat hot dogs with them and talk about everything from the state of our country to his favorite helicopter because his personal pilot of 39 years was there also. I had great conversations with. All I could say is Donald Trump, not in a suit and tie, laid back, is probably one of the most genuine individuals I've ever met in my life. And will talk to you as if you are the only person in the room full of energy at 77 years old could outwork and outpace me, you Roan, 25 year old, uh, uh, any 25 year old out there doesn't stop. And I don't know how he does it, especially with all of the attacks he takes and has taken and the indictments and everything else. But all he cared about is who was hitting the best drive and making sure everybody, if he asked me, he must have asked me nine or 10 times, did you eat? Did you get enough to eat? Here, have a can of Coke. It was an amazing day with an amazing person. Um, even his Secret Service agents were great. And uh, apparently they're all cigar smokers. They all have Patriot Cigar business cards now. Oh, so I, like I got it. to meet uh, uh, Alina Haba. And that, that, was, that was great, too. She was, uh, uh, you know, she, she's a ball of fire. And yeah, Donald Trump loves America. The amount of people, the hundreds of people that were just outside of his box, not even there to watch golf. And he was signing hats and then going out and just throwing them off the, the balcony. It was a, it was a wild scene to, uh, to be part of. It really was. So you had a firsthand experience with that interactive, touchable political <laughs> figure that I often reference on the show. And it seems like, you know, the way we analyze it and break it down and kind of try to distribute it to the American people is, is real and genuine in, in, in actual real life. The, the experience was like no other, and it was very unexpected. And uh, it's one thing that 
the once in a lifetime chance and again wasn't planned and i was i was honored i mean the the privilege to be part of that was unbelievable and to, and like you said to just first hand experience the genuine uh man that he is and the actual love none of it's bs the actual love he has for america and uh, and the american people it's uh, you, you can't match it and you can't match or beat his energy you can't uh, that's absolutely great to hear. You mentioned Paul Ingracia. He's going to be coming up in just a bit with Gavin Wax. They're going to be doing a little America First roundtable with us at the end of this segment. Cynthia Hughes, great friend of the show. Alina Haba, Donald Trump Jr. have been on the show as well. And then Laura Loomer. Last thing I want to touch on with you. It's a very controversial issue. A lot of people try to demonize her in the press, the mainstream media, even in America First. Donald Trump and Laura Loomer's relationship, you can confirm this now. And we don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but they're respect and and mutual adornment for each other it is real and genuine and it is not something that she manufactures throughout the courses of her internal and and private investigations that she does exposing the lefts exposing the rhinos donald trump has respect for laura loomer can you agree with that i can confirm that from based off the interactions on sunday all together all day and uh, and he knows that she is one of the most loyal fighters in defense of Donald Trump, the MAGA movement, America First movement, and America out there among everybody. Laura Loomer is the receipt queen. She is, uh, I, I'll say it, she's like single-handedly dismantling the DeSantis campaign role of the exposing that she's doing. And she is probably one of the top five Trump loyalists that are actually putting in the work out there. And he knows that. He acknowledged it many times throughout the day. Yeah, I talked to Laura this morning. She was still glowing. And, yeah. and it's like basically on to the next one. She's on to like three different states this week, doing a whole yeah. bunch of different events. She did an event at the New York Young Republican Club. We'll talk with Gavin and, and Paul about that in just a bit. And then she's going to be down in Florida stumping, and Cash Patel's going to be joining her as well. Listen, it's all hands on deck. And it's like a lot of people figure politically with Donald Trump, you might not like the way he always does something or say something sometimes, but when you see what the results are and why they have to be that way in a certain sense, it's for the betterment of the greater good. So you have to respect the work that they do. I mean, we, we tend to love Donald Trump a little bit on this show the same way we do Laura Loomer. But for people who don't want to be in love with the, you know, the way that they handle themselves or the way they conduct themselves throughout the course of, you know, her investigations and his politics, understand what the end results was. Safest border ever, lowest crime rates ever, greatest economy ever, you know, all of the, the border wall, Abraham Accord, you name it. Yep. And it's like the same thing with Laura Loomis. She has single-handedly dismantled the DeSantis campaign, and uh, she will continue to do so with uh, the help of great patriots. Like we always like to mention uh, Brendan Dilly and the Daily Mean team on here. Absolutely. So let's get into this Hunter Biden uh, special counsel. Merrick Garland came out on Friday just before everybody took off for the weekend and uh, read the charges and the uh, appointment of the special counsel. Let's hear it. With the Department of Justice regulations governing such matters. In keeping with those regulations, I have today notified the designated members of each House of Congress of the appointment. In February 2018, after being nominated by the former president and confirmed by the Senate, Mr. Weiss was sworn in as the United States Attorney for the District of Delaware. Mr. Weiss had been a career prosecutor, having served previously in the office for more than a decade. Beginning in 2019, Mr. Weiss, in his capacity as U.S. Attorney, and along with federal law enforcement partners, began investigating allegations of certain criminal conduct by, among others, Robert Hunter Biden. That investigation has been recently referenced in federal criminal proceedings in the District of Delaware, 
And as noted in those proceedings and other public statements by Mr. Weiss's office, that investigation remains ongoing. In February 2021, U.S. Attorney Weiss was asked to remain as U.S. Attorney for the District of Delaware and, in that capacity, to continue to lead the investigation. As I said before, Mr. Weiss would be permitted to continue his investigation, take any investigative steps he wanted, and make the decision whether to prosecute in any district. Mr. Weiss has told Congress that he has been granted ultimate authority over this matter, including the responsibility for deciding where, when, and whether to file charges and for making decisions necessary to preserve the integrity of any prosecution consistent with federal law, the principles of federal prosecution, and departmental policies. In a July 2023 letter to Congress, Mr. Weiss said that he had not to that point requested special counsel designation. On Tuesday of this week, Mr. Weiss advised me that in his judgment, his investigation had reached a stage at which he could, should continue his work as a special counsel, and he asked to be so appointed. Upon considering his request, as well as the extraordinary circumstances relating to this matter, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint him as special counsel. This appointment confirms my commitment to provide Mr. Weiss all the resources he requests. It also reaffirms that Mr. Weiss has the authority he needs to conduct a thorough investigation and to continue to take the steps he deems appropriate independently, based only on the facts and the law. Mr. Weiss will also continue to serve as U.S. Attorney for the District of Delaware. As Special Counsel, he will continue to have the authority and responsibility that he has previously exercised to oversee the investigation and decide where, when, and whether to file charges. So, there was that. Apparently a over-five-year investigation and a fallen-through-sweetheart deal between David Weiss and the Hunter Biden team wasn't enough to figure out that this man had not only repeatedly violated all of the FARA bylaws and standings that happens when you deal with foreign entities as someone who's a U.S. citizen. Just the tax fraud and, and, and things of that nature alone is enough to probably put this guy in jail forever. But here we are, tit for tat. Alan, I know that you were absolutely excited to hear Hunter Biden got a special counsel. And, uh, you know, when you saw this thing kind of developing on Friday, it's already been kind of ushered out of the... The news cycle, especially with congressional Republicans on retreat, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a way to protect Hunter Biden in a conflict of interest. But I'll be honest with you, I was victim of the not paying attention to it thoroughly because, of course, because I feel that like everything was timed right. Sure. The news moved so fast and being that Congress was there, they're not they're on vacation for the month. Um, and then, of course, you had. Everybody, the buzz about Georgia, you had indictment watch and everybody's waiting to hear what's going on with it, with, with the indictments there. And it got buried by design. So I wish I had more to add to it other than from what I looked at uh, it. To me, it looks like this is their way to make it seem uh, optically that they are investigating Hunter Biden and he's not getting special treatment. But because of the sweetheart deal that fell through and everything else, I think they're just um, it, it's just all an act. And and maybe, you know, more. Uh, yeah. 
you might have more a better insight on it. But I, I think this is to, to help cover up and protect Hunter Biden from any type of uh, prosecution. Sure. The only thing I've heard from his legal team since the special counsel has been assigned was that uh, they were demanding that the Delaware U.S. attorney adhere to the stipulations of blanket immunity in the original plea deal that they said was a no-go. And we all know what the queen of misinformation always says. What difference at this point does it make? But, I mean, it's it. And for those keeping score at home, March 17th, Hunter Biden admits laptop is his. March 18th, Trump indictment news. June 8th, FBI doc alleges Hunter Biden bribe scandal. June 9th, Trump indictment. July 26th, Hunter Biden plea deal collapses in court. June 27th, Trump indictment. July 31st, Devin Archer testifies before Congress. August 1st, Trump indictment. Now, August 9th, more damning evidence. This is off of the, you know, pinning everything back to like Romania, China, Ukraine, and all those other places. Last week, that was on the 9th of August. Those bank records were released. On August 11th, the DOJ allegedly designates a special counsel to Hunter Biden. And then, of course, yesterday, the FBI whistleblower transcript was released on the same day that Donald Trump was again indicted in Georgia. This morning, Roan, I, I saw something and I, I was not didn't have the time to read past the headline, but I saw it was a breaking, I think, from CNN that Hunter Biden's lead criminal defense attorney, Christopher Clark, asked a federal judge for permission to withdraw from the case because he could now be called as a witness in future proceedings. Well, good for him. Yeah. I thought that was quite interesting as well. But I, again, I didn't read past the headlines. So I want to look into that a little bit more. I saw Andy McCarthy was on Fox News slamming the logistics of the special counsel. Let's hear him. The same question. Now that we have the special counsel probe ongoing, how is that going to intersect or impact the separate but ongoing congressional investigation into Hunter Biden? Jillian, this is a sham. There is no special counsel investigation and there is no Biden investigation. The special counsel regulations, what makes a special counsel special is that you're a lawyer who's brought in from outside the United States government, not just outside the Justice Department, outside the government. This U.S. attorney uh, is being appointed, notwithstanding that he is an attorney who's a top official in the Biden Justice Department, and Garland made clear is going to remain a top (laughs) official in the Biden Justice Department. This is the Biden Justice Department's vehicle for maintaining control of an investigation that they are not pursuing. They've had the case for five years. They've never indicted it. They're strategically allowing the statute of limitations to run to the point that the 2014 and 2015 conduct, which covers most of the $21 million that the congressional investigation report showed this week, that's already time barred. And it's time barred because David Weiss himself decided to let those charges die rather than bring an indictment. They're not doing anything that you would do if there was an actual investigation, and he can't be a special counsel because he's inside the government, and the point of having a special counsel is to bring in someone from outside the government who we can trust to do a credible Seems fair. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, the fair thing is to have somebody outside the government who has no loyalties or and, and no conflicts, but... Again, this is all just to 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 protect Hunter Biden. I don't see Hunter. I don't see I don't see anyone involved in the Biden crime family seeing real uh, accountability. Unfortunately, I hate to be the black pillar, but it's just. And you're talking about convictions and or jail time, yeah. right? No, I'm yeah, both convictions and or jail time. And if 
there was any convictions while Joe Biden was president. Um, even though the White House said that they would not consider a pardon for Hunter Biden, I don't believe that. And it's all wild because, uh, you know, Carrie Lake put out a post uh, this morning and literally today is three years, almost to the day since Jeffrey Epstein killed himself and not a single one of his clients have been indicated for heinous crimes against children or indicted and uh, or locked up or exposed. And here we go with Donald Trump, you know, seeing uh well, like 90 counts overall of indictments, federal and state. Thousands of years of jail time, potentially. They actually broke it down. In Georgia alone, you could see, I wrote it down, 76 and a half years in Georgia, 91 counts, 727.5 years overall, plus the death penalty. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Well, <laughs> we are going to segue to some of the goings-on that happened this weekend at the Iowa Fair including Donald Trump's appearance there. But before we do that, I want to mention, wherever you're listening to the podcast today, hope you're enjoying it. Subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google Podcasts, social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow it, and hit the notification bell. I want to also remind everybody we're going to be jumping in with Paul Gracia and Gavin Wax in just a bit. Before we get to any of that, let's check in on the Iowa Fair. Donald Trump flew from Bedminster. After doing a little living at the Live Golf Tournament there on Saturday to party amongst the fair-going faithful. Um, to say that the show out wasn't for Donald Trump and Donald Trump alone would be naive. Uh, he drew the largest crowds. He garnered the largest chance and also led to a lot of heckling going on. Um, you know, when you talk about the bad weekend that Rod DeSantis had up there in Iowa. Uh, Ron DeSantis was called Rick by fairgoers. He was really awkward in selling hard-boiled eggs on a stick. Um, he had some antagonists crash his state fair town hall-style interview with uh, Governor Reynolds, and that continues to swirl around the internal issues that they're having at the DeSantis campaign. Apparently, I'm hearing rumors that top staffers and consultant Aaron Pering and Jeffrey Rowe might be doing a little bit of the, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. mm. You know what's wild, too, is, is Ron DeSantis spent hours and hours in Iowa, and Donald Trump was there for 90 minutes and got the the praises of all praises. I mean, Ron DeSantis was speaking and Trump Force One was flying overhead and people were like, he's talking. Oh, look, there's Donald Trump. Those eggs he was awkwardly putting in popsicle mm. popsicle sticks in. I was watching that and he was talking to the woman about frying eggs and eating them. And people were walking up, taking eggs, not even knowing who was giving them the eggs. He wasn't talking to voters, taking the eggs. And one guy in the background, I'm just here for the eggs. Yep. It was unbelievable. Like, who is this guy? Donald Trump also brought a very large delegation with him. Congressman Gates, Donalds, Luna, Mills, Stubbe, amongst others, Wesley Hunt. A lot of people who you hear regularly on Steak for Breakfast were with the 45th president. And uh, let's hear him on the ground in Iowa. 
a real honor to be here. We have a record that was set. The record is the largest crowd they've ever had, and I can see that because you can't get any more people here. But I just, uh, I'm very honored by it. It's a tremendous thing to watch this and to see this. Now, we do have a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day in Iowa, but this is a record crowd. They've never had anything even close, so I'm very happy by it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you very much. You know, looking good, feeling good. The coat posting was just, ugh, Ron DeSantis lives in Iowa. Or look at the nice crowd that Nikki Haley drew. You know, <laughs> guys, stop. Stop. Deck awkwardly rapping Eminem. I got that down in the show notes, too. I, here's what it literally <laughs> says. Vivek raps, dash, who cares? Who cares? But we will hear from him. He did a town hall in News Nation when we play presidential primary roundup in just a bit. I got one more clip of Donald Trump. You know, he was passing out pork chops. He was checking out the cows, shaking hands, kissing babies. He also made a pretty good statement ahead of this Georgia indictment on the tarmac. He was flanked by Congressman Mills and Hunt. Wesley Hunt actually made like an, a, a rap album cover of the picture of Donald Trump on the tarmac. That with was him. pretty funny. Yeah, I told him, I said, hey, next time you're on the show, I texted him last night. I said, that's going to be your show bubble for the uh, bi-weekly description. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where he makes this statement ahead of, of getting on the plane. And, and I think it really foreshadowed what was coming down with the Georgia indictment. How much did they know? When did they know it? I mean, he's been kind of foretelling it for a couple of weeks now, what they were getting prepared for. Let's hear it. We take a plea deal in Georgia. We did nothing wrong. We don't ever take yes, a plea sir. deal. Yes, sir. We don't take plea deals. It's a wise guy question. Are you going to change it? It's a wise guy. Are you gonna... We don't take plea deals because I did nothing wrong. It's called election interference. You know what that is? Because these indictments are brought out by Biden, who can't even put two sentences together. This is Joe Biden, because he can't win the election by himself. He can't win the election based on votes. So what they did is they got the attorney general to do it. And then you see how stupid they acted yesterday with the appointment of the special counsel. Call it special counsel. And what a crazy thing that was. And it's being laughed at all over the world. The fact is that we have a country that's in serious trouble. We have a country that's in major decline. I don't mean decline, I mean major decline. And we're going to straighten it out. This group and a lot of people just like this group, we're going to straighten it out and we're going to make America great again. Yes, sir. Wise guy. Thank yes, you sir. very much, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. Appreciate it. I haven't heard him bust the reporter's balls in quite a long time. That wise guy question. It was warranted. Take a plea deal. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's what everyone's hoping. People are hoping that, you know, those who are getting ensnared in this legal trap are going to flip on President Trump. But listen, Alan, you could attest to it from firsthand basis. And I'm sure all the other people who have worked for Donald Trump for decades and decades and all of these Congress people and others who support him can all. T- listen, the guy is genuine. The guy is not a criminal. The guy did not try to overthrow the government. The guy did not do anything to try and change the results of the election. The man had some concerns. As the president of the United States, it's legitimate if he asked the questions, and they were never addressed, and now they're trying to hold it against him. 100%. And, you know, I got to say, and I think like they do in similar cases where they tried to, like what they did to Roger Stone. They, sure. they convicted him because he would not lie uh, against uh, the president of the United States. And there are a lot of there are a lot of names in this indictment, and I don't know a lot of them. And I have a feeling that some of them will uh, at least consider 
lying to protect themselves, uh, lying against Donald Trump. And the one person on my list, and I'll say it right here, is uh, Jenna Ellis, the failed attorney who has mm. basically turned her back on Donald Trump and grifted off of him. And now is uh, pretty much uh, she is on the DeSantis train. And I have a feeling uh, I'm, uh, my eyes are on her to see what she's willing to do to save her own ass and her law license and her livelihood if she will lie against the 45th president of the United States. It's going to be interesting to see how that all kind of works itself out. But uh, I'm optimistic that there might still be a little bit of integrity left in uh, Jabba's I hope so. Jabba. body. Listen, the fair is what it is. It was a great event. I'm glad President Trump got out. It was definitely well-received. He was ready to rock, did the job he needed to do, showed face, and we will continue to track all of these things and President Trump as we're going to play a little presidential primary roundup in our next new segment. About to jump in with Gavin Wax and Paul Ingrassia, but before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash stake for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash stake, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. we got a little treat, a little America First roundtable, New York edition. We've got the 76th president of the New York Young Republican Club and a law clerk at McBride Law NYC. Two of our favorites, Gavin Wax, Paul Ingrassia. Thanks for both coming down on the show. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. There's a lot of news going on today, and um, you know it's a sad day for our country, but I'm very happy to be here with you guys. Likewise, and uh, it's great to be doing a show on my favorite podcast with... Uh, one of my favorite members of the New York Young Republican Club, maybe second only to Kevin Smith, uh, Paul Ingrassia. Wow, that is a, that is some big kudos right there. I, I, I appreciate you both. We are actually honored every time you guys can join us on the show. Listen, lads, let, let's jump right into it. Paul, I'll start with you. I want to talk about some of your most recent works, whether it be the Substack. And, uh, you know, Alan already briefed our listenership onto the amazing Sunday that you guys had. Why don't you key our listenership into just that? Yeah, I mean, it was an incredible day. Alan and I had you know, front row seats at the Bedminster Live Golf Tournament, um, you know, in the presidential booth. So that was an incredible, incredible experience. Donald Trump, despite the world being against him, despite the deep state attack on him, the weaponization of the the DOJ, the FBI, what we're seeing now in Georgia with this latest indictment, he was in very, very good spirits. I think Alan would agree with me. Um, you know, he was talking about building up D.C. He's a builder. He's a constructive guy. He had a positive vision for America. And, you know, he's not letting the world get get, get him down. He, he's, he was um, truly, you know, the, the, this man is truly phenomenal. I don't know how he does it. And even at 77 years old, he's sharp as a tack, totally aware of the situation and totally, um, you know, putting our interests, America first, before everything else. So, you know, my latest Substack was just, you know, he actually truthed it while I was there with him. Um, and he was, it, it basically goes into 
all the evidence, all the overwhelming evidence um, pointing to the fact that there was fraud baked into the system in the 2020 election that rendered the outcome fundamentally illegitimate, um, basically outcome determinative fraud, contradicting everything that we see in Jack Smith's indictment at the federal level, as well as um, this state level indictment now that we're seeing in Georgia, which basically takes a lot of what we was outlined at the federal level and um, parses it down to sort of uh, these RICO charges that we're seeing at, based on uh, Georgia criminal statutes. Sure. But, um, you know, that that's sort of the overarching, um, you know, of, of what happens with um, with my substack and what happened uh, when I met with uh, Donald Trump on Sunday. Sounds like an amazing experience, and we'll be live linking that Substack in the show description today, Paul. Gavin, I want to swing it over to you. Speaking of amazing events, you guys had one this weekend at the New York Young Republicans Club with one of our absolute favorite, Laura Loomer. Why don't you tell our listenership about what went down with that? Yeah, it was another fantastic event hosted by the New York Young Republican Club. We were honored to have uh, Laura Loomer there, uh, who I was happy to introduce as the scourge of the Ron DeSantis campaign. I think she's caused more meltdowns in Tallahassee uh, than anyone. Uh, so it was a fantastic event. Uh, she talked about her background as an investigative journalist. She talked about how she uh, came up with the word Loomered uh, to describe her many uh, you know, investigative uh, journalist inquiries into all things corruption from big tech the DeSantis campaign, the Republican establishment, and more. Uh, so it was great to have her. And then obviously she uh, and Paul went out uh, to Bedminster shortly thereafter and uh, had a great meeting with the presidents, which was good to see. And uh, it just goes to show that the club is continuing to build strong bridges uh, with many of the top uh, surrogates and influencers uh, and other individuals that are behind President Trump that have demonstrated repeatedly their loyalty to the president in his time of need uh, when the chips have been down. Uh, individuals like Paul, individuals like uh, uh, Laura, etc. And the club will continue to be steadfast in our commitment to the president, making sure that he uh, returns to the office as the 47th president. Uh, and I was very happy uh, that yesterday, before news of the indictment broke, uh, that the organization that I also work for full time, the National Constitutional Law Union, uh, published a 16 page uh, legal strategy memorandum to cover uh, at the time all three indictments, but now all four and counting. Uh, and that has now begun to circulate uh, online and within uh, President Trump's uh, campaign in circles. And I hope uh, elements of that legal strategy and the jurisprudence discussed uh, make their way uh, into the various cases that Trump is facing. Because, uh, again, this goes beyond President Trump. He says this often. He says that he's a proxy uh, for everyone else, for the people writ large. But they are also trying to establish precedent going forward that any future Trump-like figures, any people that will carry the torch forward from the movement that he creates would be subject to the same uh, insanity, the same legal lawfare, the same deep state actions uh, that have been used uh, repeatedly uh, to undermine his administration and the will of the American people. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I could just briefly add to that, I ahead. mean, you saw in the federal indictment, there were six co-conspirators, so they're trying to obviously take out everyone. This is like um, Michael Corleone at, at the end of The Godfather Part 1. They're trying to destroy everyone. That's how the left uses their power. Um, you know, John Eastman, Jeff Clark, um, Sidney Powell now, Rudy Giuliani in this one. So, um, you know, they go, they, they, they play to win. And, the, and now we, what you're seeing now in the Georgia um, indictment, you have 18 or 19 uh, indicted co-conspirators and then another 40 non-indicted 
uh, conspirators. So basically, I think they want to bring that number up to the 75 million, 80 million, however many Trump supporters <laughs> are in this country. We're actually talking about this with President Trump. He thinks at this point there are 200 million supporters, which uh, which I agree with. I, I think um, anyone who's looking at the system right now, how corrupt it's been, how we're rapidly becoming a banana republic, how we already are at that stage right now, run by radical Marxists within the DOJ, within um, our Justice Department as all, and how it's been weaponized against political opponents. It's straight out of that playbook. So, um, you know, Donald Trump did say to me, he said, you know, 2024 is it. If we don't win in 24, we're not going to have a country anymore. And he said it very solemnly. He said it very seriously. And you could tell the weight of the world is on his shoulders and he feels that responsibility uh, personally. So, um, you know, I think that those are the stakes. They are truly that high. But there's a lot of positive energy. There's a lot of momentum for Donald Trump. You see the support everywhere. I mean, there were thousands of people, right, Alan, that were there um, at Bedminster. And probably a lot of them were there just to see Donald Trump. I mean, the golf was great. I mean, it was one of the most beautiful golf courses I've ever been to. President Trump himself says the greatest golf course um, in our country. Of course it is. Um, but uh, it truly many people are saying this, Paul. Many not people, just one. Right. Many, many, many people. Many, many, such many, cases. many people. But they were all there. There were people not even watching golf. They were there, just standing outside all day long, cheering on Donald Trump, chanting on USA, USA, yeah. USA, Trump twenty twenty four. So they're there, and the, you know, it's such so much love and so much support, and that's really what lifts Donald Trump and gets him through. Um, these very challenging times that we're going through. Paul made a, a great comparison to Corleone, uh, Corleone, excuse me. Obviously, this is a, uh, this is a RICO charge in uh, in Georgia, uh, which is ironic given, you know, being uh, them charging uh, Rudy Giuliani, former mayor of New York City, who really, you know, you know, pioneered the use of uh, RICO. But what's even more interesting and what's even more insidious about it all is what is the criminal enterprise? What is the criminal organization? Is it his counsel? Is it his legal counsel? Is that what they're trying to set into stone, into precedent? I mean, there is a lot of very dangerous, very alarming things in this latest indictment. Yeah. Obviously, all the indictments, and and Paul can can go into these in detail, all of these indictments are particularly scary for the future. But as Paul was alluding to, I can't think of a better champion than President Trump to tackle this. And I think we can read into the regime, we can read into the establishment. Some people are saying, look, they only care about raw power. They don't care about the legitimacy anymore. But I do think the white pill here ultimately is that they are still scared. They are still worried and they are still throwing the kitchen sink at him. And none of these tactics, whether it's on the propaganda front, the narrative formation front or now in the court of law, none of these insidious tactics would be necessary against the president and against his supporters if they did not believe that he did not have a legitimate chance to retake the White House, one and two that his return to the White House would pose a massive threat uh, to their plans for this country as a whole. Uh, so all these things give us hope. They are white pills. And I think uh, giving into nihilism, giving into defeatism, as many have done, or even more uh, absurdly, what many of the simps have given into simply laughing off these indictments as nothing more uh, than, a, than a, a mere legal matter exclusively uh, for the former president, rather than an attack on our very constitutional framework. Uh, and they simply think that they just have to change out the candidate and all this will go away. If you fall into either of these camps, the defeatism or the kind of arrogant, uh, I'm more sophisticated than you, and we simply just need to replace Trump, uh, you're both these camps are in for a rude awakening because, one, there's many fights to, to be had. 
and that still can be won. And two, this is not going away uh, without Trump. This is this is here to stay. If we don't win, like Paul and obviously the president said, if we do not win uh, in 24. Let's stay in that thread real quick, Gavin. Uh, I, I want to stay there. You, you mentioned the DeSantis team. You said throw in the kitchen sink. I'm going to talk about flaming dumpster fires right now because that's what's pretty much left the smoldering heap that is the DeSantis campaign. You really hate to see it, but it couldn't have happened to better, worse people. I mean, these are all the people that either didn't cut it in MAGA, uh, wanted jobs that they weren't qualified for and got turned away, or never were on the Trump train or part of the America First movement and faked it for four years just to you know, build a following and, and be able to sell merch and stuff like that. Now they're in the throngs of defeat. Uh, you know, you see people like, you know, sloppy Chris Christie and uh, young Vivek Ramaswamy and even do not call him a pat, fat pig, <laughs> even Nikki Haley surpassing Ron DeSantis in different statewide polls. What can you say to, to we're, we're seeing one of the biggest political failures in the history of politics, yep. period. I've never like we're not going to talk about Jeb and, and Walker and Ted Cruz ever again. The Ron DeSantis is the new turd standard for how to completely run the worst campaign in the history of politics. Amen. It couldn't happen uh, to a worse individual and a worse group of people. Uh, their arrogance, their hubris, uh, their their condescension has done them in. I mean, this has been one of the most well-funded campaigns. They've been building up an apparatus uh, for years now. I think this predated, you know, even Jan 6, this predated uh, 2020. They have been working on this for quite a while. Uh, all the biggest donors, all the biggest, you know, minds, if I can even say they have big minds, but all the biggest minds in the Never Trump uh, ecosphere were working together to build out this operation. And it has been nothing but an absolute massive catastrophe and dud. Uh, he's ha more than halved his support since the beginning of the year. He's falling into third place in many of these early states. Some of them he has the potential to fall even into fourth. I guess he falls one place with every indictment. Uh, and I, it really just goes to show they were running a campaign that was far more suited uh, for a very sketchy Eastern European country in the midst of a color revolution than the United States. They obviously had their bot armies out in full force. Yep. They were projecting for months the strength, how many people they had behind them, all this nonsense. It was all paper. It was all paper. The man is a paper tiger. His campaign has been a paper tiger. He has no charisma. He has no force of character. He has no presence. He has all the things lacking uh, of a retail politician, but most importantly, a politician for the digital age, someone that has that is authentic someone that is raw, someone that can appeal not just to the people uh, in the massive crowds or at these, these fairs and these various stops on the campaign trail, but also through social media, which is where Trump really shines. You know, I, I've said on the show multiple times in, in years past and generations past, you need to be good. You had to have a voice for radio, a voice for radio that would get you the candidacy. That was a face for television. Now it is the authenticity for social media. But you know, there, there's a litany of problems. I mean, his campaign's coalition was built on a mountain of sand and that was blowing in the wind. What do I mean? It was a fungible coalition. He was stringing together various different competing groups that were only united by their shared hatred of Donald Trump. But each of these individual groups that made up the DeSantis coalition of the losers, they all had their own separate candidates. For example, the evangelicals, they could have gone to Pence. The moderates could have gone to Scott. The neocons could have gone uh, to Nikki Haley. Uh, the super never Trumpers, deranged never Trumpers could always go to Christie. There was never really a core support uh, or nucleus for Ron DeSantis. And he was always being pu pushed forward as a better version of Trump 
or as a version of Trump that could get things done, or as the Trump without the baggage. But they gave up that messaging months ago because now they've shifted from, no, he's going to continue Trump's legacy to Trump never had a legacy. Trump was terrible. Trump was horrible. And we are now going to usher in the age of Ron DeSantis. This is all their flailing, moving of the goalposts, constant uh, you know, restarts, resets, whatever you want to call it of their campaign. Someone needs to reset Christina Pushaw's face back to normal. <laughs> but none of this is ever going to change the fundamentals here that his political future is over. He burnt through all his political capital on an unwinnable race that is ultimately going to damage even his chances in future elections in the state of Florida. He was not ready for prime time. His team was not ready for prime time. These were parochial local South Florida people that could not handle the national stage, could not handle the national press. They're used to bullying uh, their inferiors or the local elected officials in Tallahassee or wherever. They got into the national stage. They've earned no goodwill. He has had no one show any loyalty to him through any of his political career. All of these members of Congress from Florida flying on Trump Force One yep. is indicative of that. So you have an individual whose entire reputation was built on a lie and was built on a very strong PR presence, which is Donald, which is what Donald Trump claimed months ago, and it's been proven to be true. So he's collapsing. He's burning. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he dropped out before Iowa, and I wouldn't be shocked if he dropped out immediately after Iowa. Both of those are real possibilities. I think the notion of him even making it to Florida to come in second is probably not on the table right now. All he has left is some, you know, Hail Mary hope that uh, President Trump somehow is knocked out of the race by some shenanigans in the RNC or some legal mechanism. I don't know exactly what they're hoping for, but right now uh, you can look at his you could look at his body language, you could look at his psychology, him and Casey or whatever her real name is, and you will know <laughs> that it's clearly not going well in Tallahassee. Their online influencers and surrogates cannot be more vitriolic, cannot be lashing out more, cannot be showing. Uh, how badly this is impacting them because they know they've been on the wrong horse. You never bet against Donald Trump. They thought it was over in December when the polls were a little more neck and neck. Yep. Now they have egg on their face because they shot, uh, they they fired off their shots way too soon and they missed every single one of them. So that is the sad fate of Rob DeSantis, uh, Tallahassee's uh, Tallahassee's governor. Oh. Yeah, I mean it was it was a campaign that was always dead on arrival. The timing of it was disastrous. No one yep. could challenge Donald Trump. He is the party's front runner. He always was the party nominee, and um, twenty twenty four election was all his um, to, because of what happened in twenty twenty. I mean, the fact that Ron DeSantis even ran in the first place denies one of the biggest issues. Um, of this cycle, which was the fundamental illegitimacy of the 2020 election. So um, I agree everything with what Gavin said. I think now he's try trying to put the weight back on because he sees that Christie's catching up to him <laughs> in like New Hampshire, and he thinks uh, the fat Ron DeSantis. Fat Italians always do better than we used to call him Meatball. Yeah, that that, that was um, that was when he was at, at his prime. So I, I think uh, someone's telling him to put on the weight. No, that's it. And Paul, you know, just to continue on to this point and, and, right. and just dunk on DeSantis a little bit more, when you compare and contrast everything that Gavin just laid out there, the disaster that their campaign's been, and then when you see Donald Trump textbookedly walk into Iowa, get off of Trump Force One, absolutely run shop, looks beloved, touchable candidate, mingling with the people, the press are following him around. What can you say about that? You know, this campaign that the Trump team has run, it's financially sound it's locked 
tighter than I think has ever been around Trump. He's finally got the right people in there that aren't leaking, and, and he's surrounded himself with a team that's going to help him get over the finish line next year. But when you see it in real time and how big and intimidating and real America First is in places like it was down in Iowa this weekend, what do you think about that? Well, it's authentic, and that's who Donald Trump is. He's authentic. He was never a politician. I mean, that's the whole basis of his political movement. I mean, he ran as an outsider against the Washington machine, and that's who he ha- who he is, who he has always been. That's not who Ron DeSantis ever was. Ron DeSantis was always a political grifter. He was always a copycat. He was always a bad version of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the real deal, and so long as he isn't in the picture, um, you know, th- this is his. This is his nominee and a nomination. And the American people are on his side and he has the support of the, you know, the MAGA base and, and a, a growing number of American people who see just how bad this this country is getting uh, without his leadership. I mean, when I was with Donald Trump on Sunday, he he, he didn't even seem concerned about Ron, Ron DeSantis. At this point, he said, Paul, you know, we have to start pivoting away from the primary talk of the primary, whatever. We need to start start um, you know focusing now on the Marxists, which are the Democrats, the Biden regime, uh, these corrupt corrupt district district attorneys, Fannie Willis in Georgia, um, Alvin Bragg, as we all know in New York, Jack Smith in D.C., and the judges presiding over these cases who are in bed with the Biden regime, yep. in bed with Merrick Garland and the in the Justice Department, because that's the real enemy. All this other stuff is a distraction. The primary process is a, is a distraction. These people are jumping ship off. The DeSantis campaign, where they're basically blacklisted from the MAGA movement, hopefully for good. Um, you know, these people are irrelevant. They never were relevant in the first place, but now they're really irrelevant. And they sealed, you know, that they put the final nail in the coffin, basically. The fact that you now you see Vivek Ramaswamy and even Mike Pence eclipsing Ron DeSantis in a lot of these polls. All those other guys are also rele- irrelevant, by the way. But, um, you know, it just goes to show the power of the MAGA movement, how this is. Um, you know, it, it's embodied in Donald Trump, but it goes far, far beyond Donald Trump, although Donald Trump is the only I believe truly the only thing standing in the way between tyranny and, and, and saving this country and and the, the chance of preserving American freedom for the next generation. But, um, you know, the stakes are extremely high. And the fact that Ron DeSantis had the audacity in the first place to go against Trump knowing how high the stakes are shows that he's truly not on the side of America first and, you know, everything that Donald Trump stands for. Oh, can't agree with you more. Paul, we're going to live link whatever you got in the show description today. Definitely your sub stack. Where can we find you on social media? So I'm at Paul and Gracia everywhere on Twitter. Um, truth. We, we love to plug truth. Donald Trump loves truth. And he, it seems like he's going to remain on truth. I'm also, I write a sub stack, one of President Trump's favorite sub stacks sure is. at Paul and Gracia as well. Absolutely fantastic. So is this Gavin. We definitely want to be able to uh, live link the club. Anything else you got in the show description today and your social media as well? No, it was it was great uh, joining you guys. It was great joining my friend Paul and Alan. And, uh, you know, we're all working, uh, vig- uh, you know, every day diligently uh, for the reelection of President Donald J. Trump. You can follow me uh, at Gavin Wax across all social. Uh, GavinWax.com has all my columns and uh, my upcoming book, uh, The Emerging Populist Majority, should be available for pre-order on Amazon uh, in the very near future. Uh, but thank you guys for having me on again. Love steak for breakfast and uh, great group of people, great group of patriots we had on today. Oh, and we absolutely love you guys. These are two of our great friends right here doing more work for America First than most out there. Mr. Gavin Wax, Mr. Paul Ingrassia, thanks for joining us on the show today. 
Thank you guys so much. Four to five years of apprenticeship. Hear me? Like going back to college. Four to five years. You get paid, but not nearly what you get paid when you get your card. You got to talk more about what you do, what it takes to get it done. People aren't trying to be mean. They just don't know. But I'm sure in hell telling them. So hard for gun safety all this time. I, and you've seen the changes in it. I'm just wondering how you're thinking about this issue right now in this moment. Vote.gov. <laughs> Y'all heard it, right? All right, coming back. In with it now. News three back into the show here with Alan Jacoby, who's co hosting today. Love him. Loved hearing from Gavin Wax and Paul and Gracia. What could you say about those guys? They're just great Americans who. Also love this country, and even though they're so young, they're out there working really hard for America first. Can't say enough about them. What do you think, Alan? They're the best, and I, I, I'm you know honored to to be in their presence a lot. I'm an associate member of the New York Young Republican Club myself, and and donor and sponsor of events. And Gavin Wax is an unbelievable president, and he has uh, you know really harnessed that position. And the the uh, enthusiasm in that club is unbelievable, and they are changing the face of uh, elections in New York and even national elections with their endorsements and sure. recognized by Donald Trump constantly. And, and Paul, Paul and Gracia, I see Paul and Gracia working in the next Trump administration, maybe even Gavin Wax. They're working really hard, and I can't appreciate it enough when they take a little time to spend with us. Yeah. You know, and uh, as we jumped in now, we heard the current state of the regime up in D.C. I have no idea what Joe Biden was talking about. Mm-hmm. Kamal Harris was asked about gun violence and cackled. But... Mm-hmm. In our third news segment right here, we're going to play a little presidential primary roundup. All right, so Vivek Ramaswamy last night sat down on News Nation for a presidential primary town hall. He was asked about some of the logistics. You know, they always try to figure out a different way to get you with the gotcha while asking the Trump question. Uh, They did here hypothesize what happens if you win the nomination or become president of the United States. Let's hear his answer. You don't hear me bashing other candidates because I'm going to need each of them to play their role when it comes to reviving this nation. And so, yes, I do think that this presidential campaign will put some of them to the test. I think a certain number of them will be eligible for cabinet positions in my administration. I also want to say a word about Trump. I think Trump was an excellent president. I think his defeat of Hillary Clinton in 2016 was an important political event that stopped the leftward march through our government and our institutions. And so I expect to take him as an advisor as well, as I'm actually taken to the next level, our America first agenda, shutting down that administrative state. There were some forces that stopped him that I expect will not stop me, but I will be proud to still learn from the foundation that he laid and even understand what he would have done differently. So that's the way I think about my fellow competitors in this race. There are people who I will rely on in different ways from the White House as I lead this nation forward. This is not a one-man job. This is a team sport. That's the way I see it. Now, Alan, that's a little bit different kind of an answer that we've heard from almost any other candidate in this primary field outside of Donald Trump, who's right now leading by overwhelming margins. We're going to get to polls in just a second. But when I heard that last night and was watching it in real time, I said, that's kind of a different way of looking at things. And it goes into, you know, a lot of people always talk about the things that are wrong with this country. And there's so many pictures of Barack Obama and George W. Bush and Bill Clinton together. And Vivek Ramaswamy is kind of saying, like, why don't we have, you know, people who bring in some of the new things that were able to be accomplished on behalf of America first. And if some way, shape or form, he ever made it to the White House in this election cycle would tap 
Donald Trump is an advisor. When, when you heard that answer right now, how did it kind of resonate with you? I like his uh, his talking points. I, I like the way he speaks. I don't, I don't necessarily trust him. Out of all of the candidates, I think uh, he's more viable than, than most of the others uh, or all of the others. I feel that he maybe he's auditioning for a position like most of them in a Trump administration. But if he really feels he has a shot and for some reason Trump is out and he, he does win, I would hope that the first thing he does is pardon Donald Trump and lean on him as an advisor. But again, to me, it's all talk because Roan, I am so I am so on the Trump train and Trump and only Trump that I, I I've stopped paying attention to what they're all saying. And I, I but I, I do like Vivek's um again talking points. I just I don't know how sincere he is. Part of me, when I listen to him, it's like uh he came out of nowhere like an Obama 2.0, but a, but a Republican. And I don't trust him because of things that have popped up in his past in relevance to COVID and lockdowns. And I, I believe there have been some instances where he didn't speak too kindly about Donald Trump. And I don't like the double talk, but, you know, he is who he is, I guess. He's, he's a great businessman, an entrepreneur, big in the energy sector. Who knows? I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, I know, you know, because we, we have a pretty good relationship amongst the America First consulting class that we've heard rumors that Vivek Ramaswamy would entertain a vice presidential nod, maybe a cabinet position. You know, I cannot 100% confirm that, but it would seem mm -hmm. like the smart thing to do. The guy is extremely young. Uh, yeah. If he stays down this path and, and, you know, continues to really work for America First and America First, to, to be a representative of this movement, I'm not talking about taking over the mantle for the movement, like replacing Donald Trump eventually. I'm just talking about being a participant in this unit. There is an extreme vetting process, especially what we've seen in this election cycle in the presidential primary right now on the Republican side with what's going on with Ron DeSantis. I mean, we expect these things from people like Chris Christie and Ada Hutchinson and all the other people who know that the only way that they can get any traction is to get a hot talking point against Donald Trump. Right. But if you really want to be 100% invested in this movement for your family because you understand what's wrong with this country right now, then you're going to kind of have to continue to walk down that path and, and do the things you need to do to kind of, you know, get yourself in the mold to uh, be a representative of America first. I think he has a place. I think he has a place in the party. I think he has a place in the administration. I just I want to I, I want to just see more and hear more from him, I guess. Agreed. I, Agreed. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's an act. Uh, I don't think any of these new poll numbers that are coming out uh, this weekend uh, were as well. I got 2024 National Republican primary from Kaplan Strategies, Trump 48, Ramaswamy 11, DeSantis 10, Pence 8, Christie 4, Haley 4, Scott 2, Burgum 1. Also got huh. some numbers. Uh, the RCP, which is like the average of all the big ones, Senegal, FDU, Morning Consult, Reuters, Siena, YouGov, Rasmussen, Harrison, Monmouth, etc., Donald Trump has achieved his largest lead of this entire cycle. He is currently at 54.5% on, on an aggregate scale of all the polls combined. Ron DeSantis has slipped underneath 15% for the first time at 14.8. Ramaswamy at 6.3. And then best of the rest at 5 or less. I also saw one out that had the TIPP poll from August first week. Trump 57 that's 2% up from June. DeSantis, 12%. Ramaswamy, 8%. Pence, 5 Haley, 4 Scott, 2 So as you're seeing now, these numbers 
uh, are starting to open up eyes a little bit. But I think the biggest one was the one that came out today. There was a New Hampshire poll that came out, and it had big old Chris Christie, Trump 49, Christie 9, DeSantis 8, Scott 6, Bergham 4, Haley 4, Ramaswamy 3, Johnson 2. was on the show last week for an interview, Perry Johnson there. Mike Pence 1, William Hurd 1, 13% undecided in the Great Granite State. But here's the thing. Chris Christie is beating Ron DeSantis. <laughs> the Twinkie King of New Jersey is beating Meatball Ron. <laughs> what can you say about the round mound of rebound that Chris Christie is? I saw him. He jumped on this week in fake news, the Sunday morning news circuit, and of course was hitting Donald Trump in a way only the, the fattest in the land could. Let's hear it. Is a criminal defendant. John, let me remind the viewers out there. If he's indicted in Atlanta this week, as we're anticipating that he will be, we will have the front runner for the Republican nomination for president out on bail in four different jurisdictions, New York, Miami, Washington and Atlanta, four different jurisdictions. He's out on bail. And when you're out, you get subject to certain restrictions. And the reason you're subject to those restrictions is because a grand, a grand jury has found there's probable cause that you've committed criminal acts. Oh. And there's not a presumption, a presumption that you should stay out of jail at that point. And they put certain restrictions on you to stay out of jail. So I think all of these things are things people are going to have to process for the very first time in a presidential race. And what I think Republican voters have to ask themselves is two things. First is, is he really the guy under yes. indictment in four different cases, given the conduct that he committed, yes. someone who can beat Joe Biden or any other Democrat in November 2024? And when are we going to stop pretending that this is normal? Oof. <laughs> really? He just doesn't care about himself. That's the thing. No. Like, I mean, no. he accepted the fat. <laughs> he accepted the fat. He's accepted the fact that he's fat. He 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 ate it last weekend and kind of welcomed sloppy Chris Christie. Don't call him a fat pig. We don't do that. We have a lot of respect here in America first. <laughs> but, I mean, Alan, like I said, you know, there's some bright spots, like some things that people like Vivek say. But when you talk about the totality of candidates in this Republican primary, although they do have long, illustrious, rhino-laden resumes, what they bring to the table right now is almost... I mean, Chris Christie said that they're there. Let's wait to see if Donald Trump goes to jail so then we could all run the fake primary as the real primary and we could get the absolute worst candidate on the Republican side who would probably lose worse than Romney and McCain to Joe Biden next year. Yeah. The Twinkie King of New Jersey. He's just there to, to attack Trump. I mean, no one's taking him seriously, but it's wild because he's beating Meatball Ron by a point in New Hampshire. Mm. It, it, that's wild. Well, you know what else? I, I don't know. I just think Chris Christie is a total asshole. And <laughs> that's all he's ever going to be. He's just mad that he never got a job. He's like the final product of what the DeSantis team is right now. Chris Christie <laughs> wanted a job, didn't get the job, failed at his job. And now that he's been excommunicadoed from America First, yes. this is what Ron DeSantis and every single person that's a senior staffer and consultant and, and working in his campaign is going to look like in a year and in the next election cycle. So I just want to give like, a, give I, I, I like that preview. you referred to him as, as his real name, Chris 
crispy, like crispy cream, not like not related to our very good friend Mike Crispy from LFA TV. Not not the same, not not the same person. Love crispy. me some Mike Crispy. Here's the thing, yeah. Caroline Levitt broke a little news on the show. We asked her, you know, Chris Christie did a town hall in New Hampshire. Obviously, it paid off on him. The two percent jump and hurdling, not physically, Ron DeSantis <laughs> in the polls. But what's the big drawing power to stay away from the Iowa State Fair and all the delicious food? She said he heard he likes pancakes. And uh, New Hampshire's known for their pancake syrup. So it's yeah. one of those things where mm, we're going to need a bigger boat. Speaking of which, not really. Former ambassador and South Carolina governor Nikki Haley is extremely boring and more than milk toast. And when they try to get a rise out of her as any kind of like, you know, pivotal moment here in regards to the primary and. You can only imagine how boring of an answer she's going to give. You think I'm joking? Let's hear her talking about teasing the presidential primary debates coming up. Underestimate me. That'll be fun. Tell us about your shirt. I mean, look, I defeated the longest serving legislator in South Carolina. I became the first female, first minority governor in the country, the youngest governor in the country. Now we've got some fellows that are running, but I think it's time for an accountant. I think it's time for a two-term governor who's had executive experience and foreign policy experience. I've negotiated with China. I've negotiated with Russia. It's time for us to have a strong country again. The thing about her that I can never get over is that she can't say any... Listen, she, there was nothing about foreign policy asked in her question. And she has to say Russia and China. The neocon in her just oozes out of every pore that she can't wait to get in a position of power and feed the starving military-industrial complex with something other than pronouns training. Absolutely. I have, I, do you think she can cook? <laughs> you look deflated. I was just like, do you think she could cook? Listen, I know that you've had a couple Twitter accounts nuked, and, and we're not trying to propriate that behavior on I'm the show just here. Asking a question. <laughs> Don't tell Nikki Haley to get back in the kitchen, please. Get back in the kitchen, Nikki. That's it. We're banned. Listen, what can I say? We're joking around a little bit. We've had a massive addition to the show today, and we hope every single person that listened has loved it. If you do so, find the Steak for Breakfast podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio, subscribe to the show, rated five stars. If you have the ability to, leave a review. In addition, on all of our social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram, find Steak for Breakfast, follow the account, and hit the notification bell. We're wrapping up the show here. It's been an amazing time hanging out with Alan. We're going to hear all about all the great stuff that he's got going on, including his podcast and his cigar company in just a sec. But in our last audio clip of the day, I saw that the uh, former Speaker of the House, who knew how to get impeachments done. Newt Gingrich jumped on with Megyn Kelly on Monday and had a little bit of a talking point in regards to America First and where this election cycle is headed. Let's check it out. All right, don't have much time left, but if he becomes the nominee, what do you? how do you like his odds of helping Republicans keep the House? Because, you know, the, the worry from some is he'll lose and that the GOP will lose the House along with him. Don't do it, Megyn. He, he will turn out a tidal wave of voters who are deeply alienated from what they see as corruption in Washington and as economic disasters. And I suspect they will keep, will win the Senate and increase the number of seats pretty dramatically in the House. What do you think, Alan? Newt says if Donald Trump becomes the nominee, which it looks like at this point he will, we will not only run the table, but we'll run it across the board in all three branches of uh, the House, Senate, and the Executive Office. Do you agree with the former Speaker? 
I think if we manage to, to successfully elect Donald Trump through the general election, that the base will be so galvanized that there'll be no stopping us. And I do agree. And we have to work hard and we have to take both houses. And, and we need a, a we need a complete, complete MAGA takeover of this great republic. That's what we need. Yeah, I mean, look, and we've said it on the show a million times. Kevin McCarthy got the speaker gavel that he's coveted for so long. His legacy as speaker does not begin until they have the Senate so they can pass the legislation that the House drafts and that there's a president in the Oval Office who can sign it. Kevin McCarthy's legacy is not going to be oversight and investigations. If that's your legacy as House Speaker and you're a one-term speaker, you're a failure. So if Donald Trump wins the nominations, it's going to force them to go out there and work hard to retain the House and extend those numbers. In addition, Donald Trump Jr. already had the uh, senator who's who's going to be working with all the America First candidates on the senatorial side endorse President Trump. So it looks like a lot of the work that we need to do is still down the road. we got to keep just not getting too spun up in this news cycle and, and stick to the stories that are important. Alan, this has been awesome having you guest hosting with us today. Before we wrap the show, we want to be able to direct everyone who's not already following you or your podcast or buying cigars to do so. Let's hear the spiel. I appreciate being here always, Ron. You guys are great. Steak for Breakfast is my favorite political podcast. Next to mine, MAGA Mornings, live Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern on Rumble. Head over to 1776live.tv. You can find me there. All the socials, Twitter, AJacoby1776. Ron, I have an announcement to make about MyPatriotCigars.com, my company, which you guys uh, you know, always promote. If you use promo code STEAK, you will now... Get 25% off. It used to be 15, but as of today, now you use promo code stake at mypatriotcigars.com for the whole site. You will get 25% off. So make sure you go over there and uh, support a conservative owned company, which for the record, I will say the DeSantis camp is publicly uh, on Twitter uh, asking people to boycott my company uh, because I, I support President Donald Trump. So yeah, I, I appreciate you having me, uh, Ron. You know what Donald Trump says when you hear about promo codes that are now 25% off? Big if true. And we're excited to live link it in the show description today. We'll be doing that for the Patriot Cigar Company, your Rumble channel, so everybody can tune into MAGA Mornings and all the other great podcasts that you're doing. And we're going to live link your Twitter handle in the show description. Alan, great sitting down with you again. Thanks for being Chewbacca on the show today, and we'll see you on Friday. See you soon busy way to start the news week but when you're changing the way that you consume your news we love it here on the steak for breakfast podcast if you enjoyed this episode of the show and want to hear the now nearly 270 other editions of the podcast you can find us across every downloadable platform check us out on apple spotify iHeartRadio, and google Podcasts. subscribe to the show and rate it leave a review and don't forget to download listen like follow and share the steak for breakfast content also want to remind you guys to follow us across all social medias, Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and Truth Social. Find our accounts, follow, and hit the notification bell. Can't thank our guests enough for coming down today. Former Chief of Staff to the DOD, great friend of the show, Mr. Cash Patel. Executive Director at Case Pack, Brian Leib. 76th President of the New York Young Republicans Club, Gavin Wax. A law clerk down at McBride Law, NYC, Paul and Gracia, and now newly announced Nevada senatorial candidate, Dr. Jeff Gunter. They definitely helped make state great again. Guys, don't worry. It's only Tuesday. So we'll be back with our Friday edition of the show. We've got a pretty action-packed lineup waiting for you guys. John O'Shea, U.S. House candidate out of Texas. 
the man behind the Tucker Carlson documentary, Mr. Chadwick Moore, and RNC chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, will be here confirmed on the show. On behalf of the Empire Pod team and everything else going on down here at Steak for Breakfast, I'm Roan. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week and take care. Mr. Corleone, you have been advised as to your legal rights. We have testimony from a witness, a previous witness, one Willie Chichi. He has stated that you are head of the most powerful mafia family in this country. Are you? No, I'm not. The witness has testified that you are personally responsible for the murder of a New York City police captain in 1947, and with him a man named Virgil Solozzo. You deny this? Yes, I do. Is it true that in the year 1950, you devised the murder of the heads of the so-called five families in New York to assume and consolidate your nefarious power? It's a complete falsehood, Mr. Question. Is it true that you have a controlling interest in three of the major hotels in Las Vegas? No, it is not true. I own some stock in some of the hotels there, but very little.